In five, four, three, two, one. Homie Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Alright. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday, January 18th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in still frigid Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you're looking to take your career to new heights, you can do so with an MBA from the University of Louisville. The full-time MBA is an innovative 12-month program that accelerates your career trajectory with convenient, not inconvenient, convenient in-person evening classes. They've also got competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today and earn your degree in just one year. The first step to do that is visiting business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with you on this Thursday as we react to all the action last night on the hardwood and off the hardwood in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, as Louisville falls on the road to the fourth-ranked Tar Heels. And then, as has tended to be the case during this era, more talk generated by the post-game press conference. We'll get to all that good stuff today. I'm sure that will dominate the bulk of the show. There's some other things to talk about as well. Before we do any of it, we say hi to my guy, Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, back behind, well, usually it's behind the glass, but behind the cement wall here today. Scoot, how are we? I'm good. I just woke up about 20 minutes ago, fresh off uh, about 45-minute nap or so. So boy. I'm rejuvenated. I've got new life, ready to talk. Louisville for about three hours here. You sound a little over-caffeinated. It's like you got a little jolt of something. I've got some Mountain Dew in here. There you took, go. Took a couple sips of that, so that's that's done some wonders for me, too. You yeah. sound like, uh, who's the, what was it, Sean White, the Flying Tomato, the famous clip of him where he's like talking about flying home after winning the, all the gold medals when he was 19 uh, on CNN or whatever, and he's like, you know, they, he's like, they were, you know, they were, People taking pictures of the medals. They're giving me free drinks. And, and the, the host is like, free drinks? You're not 21. He's like, I'm talking about Mountain Dews, baby. <laughs> that's I you. I don't remember that That's one. all. That's, but, yeah. that's, that's, no, that's you. To quote uh, Ricky Bobby, or what is it, Talladega Nights, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. All jacked Let's up on it. Mountain Dew. He's ready to go. This, this is 
like the last leg for you. Uh, at least you know you have to do the show in the morning with KRC and the boys and mm-hmm. the afternoon radio, but you won't be on tomorrow. So like this is this is your last long night yeah. for the week. Yeah, for sure. No, I I got a nice little easy six hour day tomorrow. Pretty excited about that. God, just a mere six hours. But then do you have to do like <laughs> then I play by play stuff? Then I've got a play by play game later that night. So oh, it, is, it'll is end it, up being a full day. And is this the game that's like the combined one in thirty five teams? One in twenty four, yeah. Good God. It's whew. what a week for all of us. Man. What a week for everybody. Uh, how are you? How was your Wednesday night? Were you able to? First of all, did you stay up late enough to watch any of the Louisville game? You didn't need to f- to be part of this conversation. It's fine if you want to admit <laughs> that you didn't catch it all. It was late. Um, so I did stay up for the entirety of the game. However, I was kind of on a mission last night in terms of drinking. Um, okay. So I, I can't tell you that I remember too much of the game. I I, sort I was of pretty defeats the purpose, but okay. I was pretty coherent for the first half, and then yeah, it just it got all hazy after that. So. Well, you, you but I watched. I, I just I don't know if I can remember it all. You and Gil just partying a little bit last night? Nah, he's he's not a big drinker. I don't know. I was with the day I had with the automation system and all that crashing not once but twice, and then it happening the day before. I don't know something in me yesterday. I just wanted to go home and pound some. And I, don't, I did. I don't. I don't blame you for that. It's a, it's been a long week. It's, it was a long day for you. I know. I don't fault you at all. But um, hopefully, you got at least a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra rest thanks to the alcohol induced coma. Sure. Yeah. I don't know how that feels. Yep. Although sometimes you wake up feeling even worse, but yeah, I didn't feel great this morning. That's but not good. I'm 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 good now. The nap got him going. The, yeah, the nap has him raring to go. Yep. Um, it, it was you know, as they tend to be, an interesting night of Louisville basketball. Uh, an interesting day of Louisville basketball. It was when I was talking to Trey, who's who's in here, who usually does stuff on the TV side of things. He, he does. He's going to start doing more radio side of things. Which the big announcement, like the joke, is no longer a joke. It sounds like we're going to start the process of getting. YouTube cameras in here wow. next week. Yeah, next week. I was wondering who that was. I was like, surely that's not Bill, because I, I thought he had a big beard, and I've never seen him without a beard. And I was like, maybe that, I guess that could be Bill if he shaved. Yeah, uh, Trey's done all the, he's the TV guy like, okay. for WBNA, and now he's going to start doing, I think, a little bit more radio stuff. And he's got Sweet. Some, some streaming ideas and you know, you fix the lighting in here and a lot of stuff that's been talked about for a while that seems like it's, it's going to get done. So, yeah, the YouTube cameras next week thing may no longer be a joke, <laughs> which uh, should be interesting, should be fun. Excited about that. You can see just how much I, you know, how much water I drink during a show. Just get up and walk around, stretch the legs. It's very exciting behind-the-scenes stuff here that you'll be privy to, starting in you know, maybe a couple of weeks. So we've got that going on. We're very, we're very excited about that. Thrilled about that. But I was telling him, you know, you have last night's game, and it's sort of, you know, it was kind of. I thought it would be worse, and to be honest, like the first ten minutes, it looked like it was going to be worse. But it was still, it was a somewhat predictable outcome where, hey, the, you know, they're still fighting. But Carolina's just way better, and ultimately, you know, this team lets a, a group of snow flurries become an avalanche, and, and Carolina pulls away, and they win by 16, and it's not a competitive game. They did cover the spread and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, there are a few talking points out there, and you're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will want to discuss this. Some people will be okay with it. Some people will be furious with it. More people will be like, hey, this is just business as usual, and then Kenny Payne steps to the microphone after the game, and says the thing that we're going to talk about and I'm like well there's the show right there like that, that that's the that's the entire show and that's all that anyone's going to discuss tomorrow and it, when I woke up this morning and you know started perusing what people were talking about in the early hours on the, the X and, and and the other social media channels it was all about the quote it wasn't necessarily like hey sky clark shot it pretty well from 3 hey you know this guy did this and and, and this guy did that it was all about Kenny Payne saying that this is he feels like this is year 1 for himself which 
we'll play that clip. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll discuss it. We'll you know we'll, we'll get into all that stuff. I, I do think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the actual game itself a, a little bit first. Uh, Louisville following falling on the road, eighty six to seventy to North Carolina. Scoots, I, I mean, you watch the game, you don't really remember it all. But was this any? Was there anything shocking that took place last night, or was this sort of what? How you foresaw this thing playing out? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty well exactly the type of game that we thought it would be, right? I mean, I couldn't believe in the second half Louisville was able to cut it to five. That was twice. That was yeah, twice. That was that was pretty surprising. But other than that, no, I mean, the way it played out, I think is exactly how we expected it to play out, right? We're not because the team is. It's playing hard. It's not, you know, that's the the baseline. Like that's the the bare minimum they can do. But we haven't seen it a lot over the last couple of years. So you do have to say, like, you know, they're competing. They're they're playing hard. There's something to be said for that. It's an improvement. But at the end of the day, they never play defense well enough to really make you think they can win a game. Like it was cool to see them cut the lead from 20 to in the first half down to five multiple times in the second half. But every time that happened, like there there was never a moment where I was like. They're gonna win this thing. Like, let's go ahead and just win it. You're like, yeah, you know, like they're hitting a ridiculous rate of shots. They come in in the second half and make nine of their first ten shots. They're hitting some. I mean, Trey White's like burying threes. They're doing things that they don't typically do. And it was nice to see them make that run and play some decent defense as well. But at the end of the day, like you knew, we're gonna come back down to earth. The offense will be fine, but it's not gonna be good enough to overcome the fact that we just don't guard anybody, and we, we never do. And Carolina ultimately started making some of those open shots. They started getting those open drives to the lane. They balanced themselves out, and they won 86-70. to 70. So like the game, first of all, the Cormac Ryan thing was the most predictable thing of all time. <laughs> we talked about that on the show yesterday. Yeah, I'm like, nailed this, it. I'm like, this dude's a, you know, he's a career deadly three-point shooter. He's shooting 27%. He's been in, in a little bit of a slump this year. Every single time that's happened, it, it dates back to the end of the Chris Mack era. Whenever you have a guy like that, Louisville's going to leave him open. He's going to make, I think I said, five threes. He ended up making four in the first half or in, in four for the game and finished with 14 points. That was easily predictable. The Jalen Withers thing also, insanely predictable. Like, the guy has done nothing for North Carolina this season. He's aver- He came into last night averaging four points and 2.9 rebounds per game. So naturally, he's going to give you 15 and 10, right? Like, like naturally, th- there was a point in the second half where – I think I tweeted it out. I was like, Jalen Withers right now could levitate, assume the form of God, however you, you, you think that's going to look, and dunk from midcourt. And there'd be me like lying on my couch in my living room by myself, just be like, yep, yeah, that's, <laughs> he's going to do that. Like That's going to happen. I, I mean, he was doing things. He still had some sloppy play. The, the play that stood out to me overall, and you may have been too deep at the, this point to, <laughs> to realize what was going on. There was a play late in the game, and Carolina had – They'd steadied themselves, and they were up by, I don't know, 11 or 12, and we were kind of floundering, trying to, 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 to keep going shot for shot. And there was a play where the ball, one of their players lost the ball. And Jalen Withers, as we saw him do approximately 16,000 times during his time at Louisville, refused to get on the floor for the ball. Like, we had guys jump, like Tyler Johnson's on the floor, Sky Clark's on the floor, and it's like a hot potato. Like, like we can't get it. And Jalen is just like sit, like bending over, refusing to get down on the floor just to pick up the ball, and we keep knocking it away from him, and like it keeps getting knocked right to him. So he 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 makes the laziest play of all time, gets rewarded, finally gets control of the ball. We have got three guys on the floor. He refuses to dive on the floor. He fires it across the court. I think to R.J. Davis, who then buries a three, which basically ends the game. Like that that was it. It was the biggest middle finger from the basketball gods that I've ever seen. 
Like, here's this guy who played for you and never got rewarded for making the lazy play, who always seemed to just, like, have terrible luck in addition to being a little bit lazy sometimes. And you've got guys who are doing the right thing. He's doing the wrong thing. And, of course, he gets rewarded and Carolina hits a three. Like, that was... That was the game in a nutshell last night. That was that was the whole game. That now, I asked you on the show yesterday if you had any sort of emotion going up against Jalen Withers. How about And you said no, to your credit. How about last night when he's doing what he did? Was there any sort of emotion? The only emotion was like, of course, yeah. right? You know, it was because I, I don't harbor any ill will towards Jalen Withers. Sure, yeah. He's a... By all accounts, was a was a good kid, very quiet, soft spoken kid. And there was a good story. I think Brooks Holton wrote a profile of him on the, in, in the Courier Journal talking about you know the move going from Louisville to North Carolina and all this stuff. And and he didn't take any shots or anything like that. He he basically just said I needed a like examining everything that I'd been through at Louisville. I needed a a, a fresh stage and, and all this stuff. And he was like, he said honestly, I think it's good for me at North Carolina to be more of a role guy. I think the only thing that he said. That some Louisville fans were like, oh, he talked about how they've got more more weapons, more more good players than last year's Louisville team did. Which I'm like, you know, if you're taking offense to that, we're talking about the number four team in the country versus a team that won four games last year. Of course, they've got more talent. Of course, they've got more weapons. And he said he kind of embraced the fact that he's he's not viewed as being one of the guys who has to be a top three scorer on this team. He can come off the bench, get minutes, and and do some of the dirty work. It also, you know. It was a nice little showcase that he can be effective when you're not just sticking his ass in the corner and not letting him do anything on offense, which is what we did for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I guess it hurt just because he was a guy who didn't. He was very up and down here and has not done very much in North Carolina. And then, of course, he has his best game against Louisville. But it, it wasn't like I was like I hate this guy. I mean, I, I think I think Louisville fans still hate Armando Baycott more. Even though he didn't exactly torch us last night. He was good, but 19-7 and, and seven for him is like a very average game against Louisville. So there wasn't that emotion like, man, wish he was still with Louisville doing this? No. I mean, I, I think the like there was nobody – I don't think – well, I don't want to speak for everybody. I don't know how if you're a Louisville fan, you watch that and you're like, if we just had kept Jalen Withers, he'd be averaging 18-12 and, and 12 and we'd be a great team. I think you watch that and you're like, if we had Jalen Withers, he'd still be the exact same player he was last year. Right, because he because he didn't show that much improvement under Chris Mack. In fact, he regressed in his third year under Mack, and then last year didn't do a whole lot. And I think we also are at the point where we just don't think that that guys are going to be that different because of the coaching staff here, and that's the way that it is. So, like, I'm happy that he's having success down there. I'm happy that you know he's playing for North Carolina. He he's he's going going to get to experience March Madness for the first time, which is a good thing. Um, I, I wish nothing but the best for Jalen. I think Kenny Payne said the same thing. He, he did the whole, like, nothing but the best for him except against us and uh, <laughs> yeah, all, all that deal. But, I mean, it was – we let them shoot a high percentage from three, 45% from three, because we always do. Uh, y'all shot 44? We did. I mean, we're not a bad offensive team now. Like, like we are not a bad offensive team. We're just a average offensive team that's an abysmal defensive team. So we're never going to beat anybody of any consequence. That's what it boils down to. You cannot beat good teams – being terrible on defense. You can be good teams being okay on defense and, and really good on offense. You cannot beat good teams being terrible on defense, and we are terrible on defense. I don't know. North Carolina shot less than 50% from the field. I mean, 48.3 is still pretty good. Is it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. For 48.3 in a game where you have played with as many possessions as they do is, is pretty good. 86 points is good. They... It was a good offensive game for them. Uh, I mean, R.J. Davis, leading scorer in the ACC, scored 21. We kind of let him do whatever he wanted to do. Um, 
Baycott, even though he didn't get a ton of rebounds because Jalen Withers was was rounding them all up, still scored 19 points. We put up minimal resistance in the post against him. I thought Huntley Hatfield played well on offense, certainly, and and did about as well as he could defensively. But he's just not he's not a great post defender, and not having that secondary front court defender is it, it hurts us. You know, not having a, a Dennis Evans or a JJ Trainer to throw at him is tough, and it's it's kind of all on BHH at this point. Um, Caleb Glenn helps a little bit, but he's undersized. So guys like Armando Baycott, who are very good, they're going to score 19 points against you. And then Withers kind of being the wild card, stepping up. Harrison Ingram hit a couple threes. Cormac Ryan hit four threes, as we mentioned. And that was pretty much it. Like that, That's that's the game. We turned the ball over a little bit too much in the first half. The only other thing that stands out to me that I just simply do not understand. I don't understand a lot of things. That's just who I am. But the, the one thing right now that I really don't understand is – this is the second straight game where we've pretty much been doomed by a bad start. You know, against NC State, you fall behind 12 nothing. You play even with them the, the rest of the game. In fact, you know, you can say they won the rest of the game by six points and, and you still lose on your home floor to an average team. Last night, Louisville falls behind 14 to five. They fall behind 26 to 11. They, they, they end up trailing by 17 at the half. And. I don't understand this thing where they're starting Hersey Miller and Danil Yovanovic. Like, it, it'd be one thing if they're starting them and, and playing them 15 to 20 minutes, and it's like, okay. Like, he's starting them. They're doing nothing. We're falling behind by double digits quickly, and then he's not playing them the rest of the game. Hersey had one rebound, one turnover. That's he, his only stats. Like I, like I said a couple weeks ago, I think Hersey deserves to play minutes on this team because he plays hard and, and, and he's not terrible. But that's sort of – it's in a situation where it's like, hey, if Tyler's got a bunch of fouls or if Tyler's just killing us because he's playing horribly, like get Hersey in there for a couple minutes. It's not a, hey, let's start him, let's fall behind by a billion points and then just never play him again. Danilo Yovanovich, I know that plus-minus is a flawed statistic. But in the last couple of games where you know we've been like, – like I said – We've been like playing shot for shot with Carolina and NC State outside of the first eight minutes. Yovanovich's plus minus is minus thirty nine when he's Ooh. on the floor, and these are two games that we've lost by. We lost to NC State by six, and we lost to Carolina by sixteen last night. He scored the first points last night. That was good. That's all he did. He played four minutes. He took two shots. Uh, I don't know why he's still taking threes, and he had no other stats. Hersey Miller played. I uh, ended up playing ten minutes last night, and like you said, had one rebound, one turnover, and that's it. So we're and you know he got he kind of went and came in at garbage time at the end. So some of those minutes are inflated, but I, I don't know why we're we're doing this thing where it's like we're starting these two guys who we clearly don't have confidence in because they're not playing at all the rest of the game. We're putting ourselves in a massive hole, and then when we start playing, you know, punch for punch with these teams, it doesn't matter. Like, like we're we're already behind by double figures. We have tanked our our chances of beating two decent teams the last couple of games by having terrible starts mm-hmm. at what point do you say okay let's play <laughs> like we're, we're still playing like they like, Trey White played 31 minutes last night he played as many minutes as anybody on the team besides Sky Clark why are you just not starting him right is, is that who you would want to start I mean obviously BHH James and Sky Clark should be starting but who should be the other two starters I mean go back to starting I mean Tyler Johnson's gonna play a, a billion minutes I don't know he ended up playing 17 last night I mean I would go ahead and start him and, and start Trey White and take out Yovanovich and take out Hersey. And if you want to start Curtis Williams, I'm fine with that too. I think yeah. Curtis needs to play even more. Sure. I know that he's a little bit lost defensively. Guess what? They're all lost defensively. He's better than just about anybody on the team on offense. You need his outside shot to space the floor. 
I think I think Curtis needs to play even more. He played 25 minutes last night. I would have liked to have seen him play closer to 30. Um, Sky Clark played well last night. He, you know, he he's not quick enough to get around guards like the ones they have at North Carolina. There was one possession where um, I, I think it was R.J. Davis just completely locked him up. Like he could not. He was trying to go around him left. He was trying to go around him right. And he's just. He's crafty, but but he's not super quick. Mm-hmm. He can make up for that, though, by being a better outside shooter than he's been, and that's what he did last night. Four or five from three. He did have four assists. He did have three turnovers, but I thought he played a, a, a good game. Huntley Hatfield, was, he's been good. Like, like, like He's our most consistent player, and I think the only issue I have with him is that we go away from him for long stretches. He had 15 and six last night. Uh, Mike James, the book's out on Mike James. Like You and I were texting about this last night because you were trying to hit your Mike James three-point bet. And almost got it. Yeah, if he had like one more look, like he's lights out from outside right now. But Carolina did the exact same thing that NC State did, where they're like, "We are we're selling out to run you off the three point line. Like you're not going to beat us from deep. You're the, the one guy that's been a consistent outside shooter. If Sky Clark, Trey White, if they shoot above out of their minds from three, that's fine. We don't trust anybody to beat us from three besides you. So you're going to beat us going to the basket. And and they ran him off the line. He only got one look. It was off an offensive rebound that he made. And he ended up going uh, two of nine from shots inside the arc and, and struggled to get nine points. So like you're, I think you're going to see every team do that. Every team that has a good scouting department and a good coaching staff is now going to say, like, we're not going to let Mike James camp out. Like He's going to have to beat us off the bounce. And he couldn't do that last night. He was, it was a little bit rough. I thought Tyler was up and down. Um, didn't shoot the ball well. Still had some good moments. Uh, you know, he, he, had, he fouled the three pointer right when we got it down to five, which is one of those you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, Trey White, I thought played well last night. Got a little bit more into a flow. Knocked down that mid range shot. Did some good things offensively. Caleb Glenn is who he is at this point. Like he's gonna, he's got five fouls to give, and he's gonna give them. He plays hard. You can't knock him. He's tough defensively. He he battles with guys that are bigger than him in the post. And, and then Curtis shot the ball well again. Was a good, it had a good offensive game. It, it's all. It's kind of. You left out one guy. Who'd I leave out? Zampane. I only bring that up because I didn't have vested interest, but his bucket at the end cashed the over. He did. He did the over last night. He so, did. He did also. That, that is some production. He did also have a steal from that's uh, true for, from from R.J. Davis last night, who's you know maybe the ACC Player of the Year. Zampane's ripping him. So R.J. Davis listed at six foot. There's no way he's that tall, right? He looks small out there. He is so sure. tiny. He, he definitely looks small. But, yeah, Zampane did play four minutes. I, I do feel like every time he's in the game that it's just Kenny trolling us. He's like, oh. <laughs> like, you know, he's one of those guys who just takes pleasure in it, where he's like, oh, they're going nuts about this right now. He's like, it's a close game against North Carolina. Here, I'm putting my son in. I, everyone's tweeting about this. People are going nuts in their living rooms back in Louisville, and I'm I'm feeding off it. I'm living off this. I, I feel like he, does, he, ne- he never gives that vibe, but I, I just have a sense that he, gives, he takes a sick pleasure out of just trolling all of us when stuff like this happens. I can see that. Yeah, so it was, you know, the game itself I thought was, was not extraordinary. It was in keeping with what we've seen from this team the last couple of weeks. They're playing hard. They're playing better. They're very clearly not as good as, as North Carolina and – they're not at a level where they should be competing with North Carolina on the road. Having said that, I'm not going to take any pleasure from losing a, a game to anybody by 16 points. State Louisville basketball fan, I, I do wonder as you look around the country and look at some of these results. Our best games this year. I mean, look, Miami lost to Florida State at home last night. Miami's trending towards missing the tournament. Like that. Yeah. that like that's the best one of the Kenny Payne era. We're like, hey, we beat a reigning Final Four team a team that's supposed to finish in the top four of the ACC, been ranked for most of this year. Miami's just not very good right now. 
And then you look at Texas, like the best game of the Kenny Payne era. We only lost to Texas by one. Let's hang the banner. They lose to UCF. Um, I mean, I, I tweeted out in December. I said Texas might be butt. I think Texas is officially butt. That Rodney Terry, not the guy. He's he's complaining about guys throwing horns down Such last a night. Dweeb. He's going full Scott Satterfield. Like this feels like a very Satterfield situation in Texas. And maybe the worst thing that could have happened to that program was making that run to the Elite Eight last year, where they felt pressure to keep him because that was a bad, bad, bad loss. And they've lost to now two pretty bad Big Twelve teams. They they're in the easiest stretch of their their Big Twelve season. And they're one and three, and their only win was a last-second shot over Cincinnati. So, they—I mean, you look at the schedule; they could lose each of the next six games. They could easily be like one and seven or one and nine in, in the Big Twelve. And Terry, looking like he may be available, like you know, he's he's on the list. He's on the list. <laughs> but you look at this, and you're kind of like, all right, our really good performances so far this year aren't looking quite as good. This team, I feel like, and I say this knowing that it could easily be very wrong. But I feel like you can get a good sense of how the rest of this year is going to go. We're just not good enough, and we just don't do enough things well to beat a team like Duke next Tuesday. We, we Probably the same thing for Wake Forest coming up uh, on Saturday. Probably the same thing for Clemson coming up in a couple of Tuesdays. But the, the, the tail end of the schedule, the teams we're going to play in February, like I think we're going to win four or five games. I really do. Like I, I think this team's going to finish 5-15 and 15 or 6-14 or, or and 14 in, in the ACC. They're going to be competitive against some of the some in some of these games that they lose. They look like they've got more fight than last year's team did. They, they look like they have more talent than last year's team did, which again is not saying much when you go four and twenty-eight. But I feel like they're going to win five or six games. And for some people, that's going to be enough to justify a year three or a year two, which we're going to talk about after the break. And for me, it's just it's it simply it, it's not good enough. But you know, that feels like the direction we're headed. This team's going to finish, I think, with with 11 or 12 wins, 10, 11, 12 wins, somewhere in that ballpark. They're going to show improvement, but my God, it's still going to be one of the worst seasons we've ever seen in our entire lives. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the thing, the Kenny Payne quote. We'll play it for you. We'll react to it. We'll, we'll get all your thoughts. It's happening next. You knew it was going to get to, get to this point. Here we go. Kenny Payne Radio continues next here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Back in Thursday edition of Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 The Big X. Country Thursday with Scooter Dingus. That's right. Feels good. I like it. I'm good with it. Let's little change of pace. It's going to be a, another snowy night, it looks like. Stay safe. I think we're going to get some snow right when we get out of here, Scoot. So we better, you better keep it safe on the uh, the drive back across the bridge. I'm not scared. I like that. I, I like that lack of fear right there. <laughs> you said that with such confidence. Not scared at all. He's scared. I'm scared of a little snow. I'm just hoping we get enough tonight to cover the parking lot here so I can have some fun in the morning when I get here. It's the little things that keep Scoots <laughs> going. Last summer, when, this is going to shock you, the talking point around Louisville men's basketball was still about Kenny Payne and, and whether or not he should get a job and all this stuff. We had this discussion about there are certain boxes that gets checked that get checked when a coach is floundering and it looks like he's headed towards 
a pretty early exit in his tenure. One is is blaming the players. Two is is blaming the fans. Three is you, you start firing the assistants, which has not happened yet. And one of the things that I brought up when we were having this discussion was you start to hear from fans and media and fan media this defense of, hey, you know, his second year is actually his first year. The first year, what you know, he didn't have a chance to get in his players, to put in his style, implement his culture. Year one, it, it, it basically just doesn't count. Year two is basically year one. And it goes back to a, a long-running joke that uh, Mark Titus and Tate Frazier would do on their old podcast, Tyson Tate, where they're like, you know, it's technically, it's technically his first year, and they would do it with every crap coach who was in like their fourth year of a failed tenure. And every single thing, you know, the, the whole thing was, anytime that becomes a talking point, that dude's about to get fired. And without fail, it's very rare that you have a guy who's like, this is actually my first year after you know two really unsuccessful first seasons who just, he gets it in year three and it turns out he was right the entire time and all these excuses were totally valid and he wasn't the problem and he's coasting, he's doing great, all, the, all this stuff. And we'd mostly avoided that up until last night. Now, usually it's the fans... And again, the the media and the fan media doing this as a defense, saying you can't you can't give him too much crap. This is basically his first year. It's not typically the coach himself invoking this phrase. You, you rarely hear this, but this was this was Kenny Payne last night. the The audio is a little bit glitchy because the the feed was a little bit glitchy last night after the game. But here's Kenny Payne giving the answer that we're going to talk about for the next uh, twenty minutes or so. Maybe, maybe not. Hold tight. Things going to move a little slower here at Big X Sports Radio. It's going, it's that, going over, Mike. That, oh, it is. Yep. Sheesh. All right. So I I didn't hear that. Yeah, I don't. For once, for some reason, it was only coming over one channel, but it was going over air. Was it going over the stream it, too? It was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Or it should have been. Yeah. Hopefully. But that's the. I, I'd like your sheesh reaction because that's kind of. It, it's a lot of people's reaction. Kenny Payne, in essence, saying to him, "This is his first year on the job, and last year, I guess, just doesn't count." It's first of all, it's kind of insulting to everybody that follows Louisville basketball, especially the people that paid for season tickets last year, that went to games, that even if you just watched all the games, it's like, oh yeah, that year just didn't matter. Were you gonna give your salary back? You know, if if year one did not count and year two is gonna be next season, then I feel like you owe us three and a half, four million dollars. Because what are we doing here? Also, this notion that there was absolutely no chance to have success in year one is such a reframing of what actually happened. Kenny Payne, this wasn't a David Padgett interim coach situation where he was hired two weeks before the start of practice. Kenny Payne was hired in mid-March of 2021. Louisville moved, or 2022, I should say. Didn't go over the stream, by the way. Yeah, I figured it did. That was because that was the issue when I first started. When they told me I could play stuff from my computer on the old in the old studio, it would go over the air, but it wouldn't go over the stream. So yeah, I think that's been an issue. When Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne was hired in mid March of 2022, he had ample opportunity to make moves to put together a roster that was at least competitive in year one. And this whole rewriting of history that every Louisville fan expected him to to win too much in year one and go to a Final Four right away and people were just you know, not willing to wait is, is total bull. Like, it's absolute crap. Almost every Louisville fan was very much understanding of the fact that you've got a new coach. He didn't have time to get a full recruiting cycle. This guy, his, his bread and butter is supposed to be his recruiting. He didn't have time to bring in a bunch of five stars. Year one should be 
not fully indicative of who he's going to be as a head coach once he gets his type of players into this program. We all got that. We all understood it. And all we wanted to see in year one was a competent scheme that was going to work when you got more talent in, a team that played exceptionally hard, because if you're a good head coach, if you're a top-tier head coach, any group of uh, of 14 guys that you get together, 15 guys that you get together, you should be able to motivate to play, play their asses off for 40 minutes a night. And I think we wanted to see Kenny Payne prove in his dealings with the media and dealings with the fan and dealings on the sidelines that he's the guy. And we saw none of that in the first year. None of it. He also had an opportunity to go out there and get players in the transfer portal, players that wanted to come here that ended up going to other power conference schools to really help out. And the fan, you know, he got guys immediately. He comes in here, he gets Brandon Huntley Hatfield pretty quickly. He gets a couple of, uh, of the remaining freshmen that are out there in the recruiting class. And we're like, all right, he's doing some stuff. But then we see that he's not building a roster that has more than one suitable ball handler. And everybody's pointing this out. Every fan who's watched you know, three games of basketball in their life can see LLs can handle the ball. He's still more of an off guard. He's not a natural point guard. You've got to get somebody else in there to take some pressure off him. Ideally, you have someone else in there who can allow him to play off the ball. And Payne sees it himself. The forgotten thing in this whole deal is that he did a, a local media interview with the TV guys in May where he says, I know, I know we need guards. And he says, I think, he says, I think we're going to be good. And if we get some of these guys that we're targeting, we have a chance to be really good. So this whole idea that Kenny Payne like knew it was going to be terrible and, and, and prepped us, like that started in the fall. It didn't start when he was trying to build that roster. And he could have gotten guards. He could have gotten guards. The transfer portal was, was, was out there, and you can say, well, it was the NCAA stuff, maybe with a couple of those guys. But the NCAA stuff had been looming over the program for three or four years, and it didn't keep us from getting guys. It didn't keep Arizona from getting guys. It didn't keep LSU from getting guys. It didn't keep NC State from getting guys. It didn't keep anybody else who was dealing with the same things that we were dealing from getting guys. So the roster at the end of the day, while it's not entirely on him, it's mostly on him. He had a chance to make it better, and he didn't. It was bad. The fact that he went 4-28 and with said roster is inexcusable. That's It's on him not to at least win, I don't know, 11 or 12 games with the group that he had. It's a gigantic red flag, and it matters. You cannot just gloss over it. If you're telling the story of Kenny Payne at Louisville, you can't just say, year one happened, but it doesn't matter. You have to get into it. The end-of-game decisions, I mean, not fouling with fouls to give in the closing seconds against Wright State and getting beat at the buzzer, not calling timeout against App State in the closing seconds, having a guy not get a shot off before the clock, um, drawing up a play for a true freshman who had not made a shot all night in the season opener against Bellerman in the closing seconds. The, you know, I mean, just the debacles against bad teams later on in December, all of that stuff. It has to be discussed when you're talking about Kenny Payne and whether or not this program is going in the right direction and ultimately whether or not this guy deserves a third year. And for him to come out and say, this is what you should be judging me on, it's a little bit insulting to all of us. I mean, what do you think he was going for? He's going for the same thing that he's he's been going for, which is a total lack of accountability. And here's the other thing. 
if this were year one, if this is what we're judging on you, the results still suck. It's not like this has been some sort of resounding success. If we had had this type of season a year ago, if we were on January 18th, 2023, Kenny Payne's true first season, if we were sitting there at 6-11, and 11, 190 on Ken Palm, 232 in the net rankings, 1-5 in a bad ACC, it would be better than it was last year. It would still be the worst season that any of us had ever seen. It would still be like, we would still have significant issues about the direction of the program. Yeah, there'd be the same talk about, well, they're starting to play a little bit harder. They're starting to get it a little bit. They're taking steps forward. It would still be a mostly like, hey, I'm not sure this is the guy type conversation. Year two has not been that much better than year one was. I mean, this time a year ago, we're sitting here, we're worse. We're about to lose to Pitt at home by uh, by 21 points. We're two and 16, but we're like, you know, we're still in the within shouting distance of where we are right now in Ken Palm. We're still within shouting distance of where we are right now in the net rankings. We're still, you know, the laughing stock of college basketball. Certainly one of the worst two power conference programs in America. It hasn't gotten that much better. And you still can't be like year one just does not matter. You, you, you that was year zero. This is year two. I mean, he, he also. He got asked the question, so it's not entirely, it's not like he just brought this all up on his own, but he was asked about the similarities between Hubert Davis at North Carolina and what he's gone through at Louisville. Now, Hubert Davis, this is his third year at UNC. He takes over from Roy Williams, Hall of Famer, all the national titles, all the accolades, everything like that. And it starts off a little bit rough for him at UNC. They don't get off to a great start in his first year. In fact, the first couple months of his tenure the conversation is, is is dominated by is this team going to make the NCAA tournament? You know, we, we had the game that we mentioned on yesterday's show where we had them beat at home despite us going through a tough year in Chris Mack's final season. They get bailed out by some bad calls. They win in overtime. And our general thought was the AC is just trying to make sure that Carolina goes to the tournament because it's bad for them to miss. Even at that point in time when they came in there and beat us in that game, they're having this bad season. They were 16-6. and six. And guess what happened at the end of that year? They make the NCAA tournament as an eight seed. They go to the national championship game. They won more games in the NCAA tournament in Hubert Davis's first season than we won in Kenny Payne's entire first season. Comparing those two, it's not an apples to oranges comparison. It's an apples to watermelon comparison. There, there is nothing similar between the crap that Hubert Davis got from North Carolina fans and the crap that... Kenny Payne is getting from Louisville fans. And you can say, well, he didn't make the NCAA tournament in his second year despite being the number one team in the country. He was the preseason number one team in the country. Yeah, it's a tough look for him, but winning 20 games in year two after going to the national championship in year one is and now having success in year three where you're a top five team in the country and looking like the class of the ACC, it's not like it is not on a level playing field with Louisville fans having to sit through a four-win season and then, I don't know, like a 10- or 11-win season and then maybe being good enough to sniff the NCAA tournament in year three. It, it is so, it is so it's such a ridiculous comparison. Yeah, UNC fans were upset because their standards are ridiculously high. Our standards are ridiculously high, too. And we're not like we're dreaming about being a 10 seed that loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament right now. That's the wildest of dreams that we can have. And Carolina got a national championship game trip and a game that they almost won against Kansas in the first year with this guy. Yeah, he 
he's got a longer rope than than, than Kenny Payne does. Yeah, people are, are going to be willing to be a little bit more patient with him when you have that type of ending to a season. We've won, we've won what ten games in a year and a half with Kenny Payne as the head coach, and the product on the floor has been embarrassing night after night after night. What are we talking about? Comparing Hubert Davis and Carolina fans being patient with him, with Louisville fans being patient with the. Uh, with Kenny Payne. It's like comparing Duke fans being patient with Mike Krzyzewski because he kept losing in national title games. It's a little bit different than being patient with a guy that is and 2-24 in the ACC. I mean, am I taking crazy pill? What the hell is this? What are we talking about? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the whole concept. Who were some of the guys that Kenny could have retained when he took over? And didn't. Well, I think when it comes to the roster, I think he probably got the guys that, that we wanted him to get. I think the issue was there were guys in the transfer portal that wanted to come to Louisville. That he didn't go after. That he chose to to gloss over early in the process because he thought he was going to go out there and get bigger and better players later on in the portal. And we went after some some of the big, bigger fish in the transfer portal, and we just didn't get them. Um, you know, the, the, the name that every Louisville fan, I think, heard was Sean McNeil, the kid from who played at West Virginia and wanted to – he's from Kentucky initially, I think from Union, Kentucky – wanted to come play at Louisville, let it be known that he wanted to play at Louisville, and Kenny Payne kind of said, thanks, but no thanks. He ends up going to Ohio State and is a starter on a you know, a good, not great Ohio State team, average double figures, shot pretty well from three. He was a guy that we could have used and a guy that we just kind of tossed aside because we thought we were going to go out there and get better players. And not only did we not go out and get better players, we didn't get any players. Like, like We got nothing to change the roster, and it went from, hey, Kenny Payne knows the situation, relax, he's going to get guards, Hey, he knows the situation. He's going to get guards to like, we don't need guards. We're going to play like Florida State. Remember that pivot that everybody had? We're going to, you know, we have six foot seven ball handlers. This is new basketball. It's positionless basketball. Those little guards, they don't win at the college level anymore. You never see Marquise Noel having success in the NCAA tournament. You never see guys under 6'2 winning at a high level in college basketball. We're good. The roster's fine. Kenny knows what he's doing. And the season starts, and it's like, oh, crap, we need a guard. LLS, probably not a point guard. You guys tried to tell us he was. He tried to tell us he was. He's not. And we've got no one else to go to. We've got Hersey Miller, brought him over. He can dribble. That's about it. Like we we, we just had no we had no pivot. So that was the big issue I think that that Louisville hands, fans had with building the roster. Again, I'm not saying there was pressure on him to build a roster that was capable of making the NCAA tournament in year one. I like the notion that there was no limitations on him whatsoever. I think is is false. The, the notion that the limitations were so restricting that he couldn't possibly build a winner in year one. I think is also false. Were there guys out there who were recruiting against Louisville by saying, look, Kenny can't come to you and guarantee that you're even going to be eligible for the NCAA tournament next year? Sure. Were there still kids out there that would have said, I don't care, it's Louisville, I'm going to choose to play there over a, I don't know, Vanderbilt or some school like that? Sure. Was Kansas in a similar boat? Yes. Was Arizona in a similar boat? Yes. Was NC State in a similar boat? Yes. Did those guys still go out and get, get players in the portal that drastically better their situations the next year? Yes. We're the only ones that didn't do it. And when that's the case, you've got to point to the head coach. And when he, he doesn't do it again in year two to the extent that he needed to, I think it also just for, further illustrates the point that he could have done more to make year one, year zero, whatever the hell he wants to call it, less of an abject failure. It certainly did not it did not need to be the worst season in the history of Louisville men's basketball. It didn't. And the full quote that he's, uh, he's talking about, because, you know, and again, Kenny didn't. He didn't bring up the Hubert Davis comparison. 
Like this was a question that he was asked. It's not like he just brought this up on his own, but he did talk about like Hubert didn't inherit what I inherited. Like I inherited a program that was broken. I inherited something that something that you know, like like, like he inherited a winner. All this stuff, and I'm like, come on, man. The the, the broken narrative when you keep harping on this. Uh, the, the exact quote is, well, I didn't inherit the same thing that he inherited. That's first. What I inherited was broken. My job is to clean it up. Inheriting what I inherited, this is really year one for me. That's just to me. Other people may see it that differently. I wish I inherited something similar to what Hubert inherited. I mean, even if you think that, how about we just don't say it? Is that fair? Yeah. Like, even if you, you know... It, it's like, are you ready for the thing you have to do in sports radio where you compare everything to a relationship? No, of course. There are, are lots of things that I'm sure if you're listening to this and you're married that you think about your wife or your husband and you, know, you think it's probably something that you do that you don't get credit for or that they do that deserves a little bit of criticism. You probably just don't bring that up sometimes. It's, it's in your best interest just to keep that to yourself. You may think you have a valid point. But what good does it do to put it out there, to just totally defend yourself and throw the other person under the bus? This is one of those situations with Kenny Payne. How about we just, like, you, the results are speaking for themselves right now, and they are a disaster. The fan base, they want to believe that you can be the guy. More than that, though, they want to believe that you're going to be gone in the next couple of months and that the next guy is going to be the guy. You could use some goodwill with the fans. And it's not that hard to do. It's not when you've just lost a game on the road by 16 against North Carolina. There's no shame in that. You, you, I mean, there's a little bit of shame in that. But you were a 21 and a half point underdog. Maybe just go in there and give the generic responses. I thought we did some things well. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. Coming close isn't isn't good enough at a program like Louisville, and that falls on me. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that so hard to say? I mean, it's like he never, and maybe he didn't, but it's like he never did press conferences at while he was an assistant. It's like he didn't pay attention to anybody else doing press conferences right. either, yeah. right? Like, you know, True. this is not the most difficult thing in the world to do. You don't have to hold court. You don't have to be Rick Pitino cutting jokes and, and going into to deep X's and O's talk and, you know, playing up your narratives. Like, it is not, there's a reason why you don't hear a lot of quotes coming out of other people's press conferences. There are 362 Division One teams. And it's very rare that you have, like, hey, did you hear what this guy said? It's because everybody knows how to handle this. Everyone knows what to do. Just go up there. I think Eric Crawford wrote it in his story today. Do the Crash Davis thing. I'm assuming you've, you've seen Bull Durham. Uh, it's been a long time. Where he tells, he's giving Nuke Lelouch, the, you know, the, 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 the youngster who's destined for greatness in the, in the major leagues. He's telling him how to deal with the media. And, you know, he says, you know, just gives him, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes, you know, all this stuff. You know, I just want to thank God and want to thank the opportunity for the team. Like, that's all you have to do is just do that. Like, write a couple of phrases on a card and just go to that card. When in doubt, just go to the card. It's not good enough. I've got to do better. We're working hard. We're trying to make this fan base proud. Just, just give us that. You don't. Yeah, but is that genuine? Is no, that really what you want to hear? Of course it's not. But at this point, yes, because all of his genuine thoughts lack any sort of accountability. Every time that he speaks from the heart, I guess, and says what's actually on his mind, the words are, it ain't me. It's not me. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. You guys expect too much. Or I'm not getting this type of help. Or these players suck. 
or I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that. There's never any accountability. You are play are paid handsomely to win games at the University of Louisville, one of the six or seven best programs in the history of the sport. You are falling short of that goal at a rate that we have never seen before in the 118-year history of this program, and all we hear from you is, eh, it's my fault, but it's not really my fault. And it, like, that's not going to play well with the fan base. You know, if you get fired after this year, you still get like $20 million out of this deal. We get nothing other than more time taken out of our lives as fans from having success and having fun with this thing that we all hold so dear. It, it's killing us, and we're not getting paid handsomely to, to suffer through it. So we don't want to hear how much it is everybody's fault. At the end of the day, the buck stops with you. You are paid to get this thing right. It ain't right. Take some accountability. I'm so sick of the, you know, it, it's the player's fault. I'm telling them what they need to do. They don't know what it's like to play for that name of, across the front of the jersey. Or, you know, I did, it wasn't technically my first year last year. Because I didn't get a chance. Like, shut up. Like, like, give us win games or tell us how you're going to start winning games. I mean, it's like me with that stream or with the sound not going over the stream, sitting here and saying, oh, it, it's on it's on Glenn, the engineer. He he doesn't have things hooked up right. It, not, not my fault. While maybe somewhat true, I, I still have to take some accountability yes. for that. And I have to I have to know that that's the case before we go to play that audio, you know? Yes. You know, obviously much less important. You're, right. you're not getting paid exactly. millions of dollars. Wish I was. But at the end of the day, it's the same type of thing. Like a- accountability, it matters. I-, I thought that I think Crawford had the best line that I've seen. You know, lots of stuff has been written about this era. Lots of people have said essentially the same thing. But I thought his line was great. You know, he- we talked about whether or not this is like his his second year or his first year. And Crawford says, so to sum up, while everyone is confused now what year it is, most know exactly what time it is. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, these are all just excuses. And he can view this as as year, he's halfway through his first season. We can view it as he's halfway through his second year. At the end of the day, if winning doesn't pick up dramatically, and maybe even if it does at this point, it doesn't matter. Like, he's going to be gone. He's not going to get a third year. This is Louisville, for God's sake. We we can't – you can't do more than two years with a guy that's won a combined 14 games in those first two seasons. Imagine pitching that. Like Even if you're listening to this and, and you think I've been too hard on Kenny Payne and you think that he, like, he'll do great with the third year, imagine going back to yourself two years ago today when we all were frustrated with Chris Mack and we all were like, hey, I, I'm not sure that getting rid of this guy wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. This, this season sucks. We're going to miss the NCAA tournament for a second straight year. Imagine that you were told that the guy that was going to replace Chris Mack was going to win 14 or 15 games in his first two years combined. No thanks. Everybody Next. everybody in the world would have said, hell no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's the standard here. It's still the standard here. We need. I know it's been a long time since we've seen it the way it's supposed to be. We need to not forget that in those times, in these times. We'll take a break when we come back. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Your thoughts after the break here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 
Welcome back in. Four o'clock hour here, the Mike Rutherford Show, Thursday edition. Reacting to an interesting night in Chapel Hill, Louisville Falls to North Carolina, uh, 86 to 70. Kenny Payne making headlines yet again with his post game comments. Uh, I mean, somebody, he just needs. There was a really, really good story today by Kevin Sweeney in Sports Illustrated. I know Scoot's cover your ears here, but Purdue does this thing where they have essentially an offensive coordinator, like somebody who's whose entire job is just to focus on the offense and to call out plays in the middle of games based on what he sees. And other schools are now following suit. Like the, the, Just having one guy whose specific purpose is just so one-sided. I think Kenny Payne needs a press conference coordinator. Like somebody who can just <laughs> – we had the idea of a shot caller early, earlier in the season where like fans, if he starts to be like – I probably shouldn't say this. Where we're like, eh, 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 like, just like, stop, stop, stop. Like, he needs somebody who just is sitting next to him, and after every question, just just like writing something down on a piece of paper and handing it to him, and being like, no, like, like, like whatever you're thinking about saying, let's say the opposite. Let's go full Costanza here because it's just, it's not helping you. It's not helping you at all. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's tax line. Thornton's has the best deals for you all twenty twenty four long. If you want to take advantage. Become a Refreshing Rewards program member today. Download the Refreshing Rewards app. Very easy to do on your phone. And then use that bad boy when you're filling up at the pump or when you're going inside to grab a tasty treat at any one of those areas. 86,732 Thornton's locations. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. All right. Are you ready for some text? I'm ready. Texter says, One thing that I want from the next coach is something that Chris Mack was really good at and that Jeff Walls has always been great at which is interacting with the fan base or showing support for our other teams like they were visible outside of the games, whereas Kenny you only see during the games and then he just kind of disappears unless Jeff Brom drags him out to a local high school basketball game for some reason. Just show me some signs of life. I, I think that this is – I think it's definitely important. It's not important if you're winning at a high level. It's very important when you're not winning at any sort of level. Like The job isn't just – the job, right? It's not just being visible on the sidelines, doing your coach's show. Like we want somebody that's going to entertain us. We want somebody that's going to be a, a fixture in the community. We want. I mean, Denny Crum back in the day was all he was everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing Denny Crum. He's at charity golf scrambles. He's at uh, he's doing shows at Tumbleweed. He's, he's just he's popping up. Everywhere. He's just he's a guy. He's out there with us. He's always all around. Kenny Payne, we never hear from. I mean, Rick Pitino in the summer, he couldn't go three weeks without holding a press conference, and we loved it. Like we we, we loved. Hearing what was going on with the team, he started his own blog because he just wanted us to, to all have updates on how team how guys were performing in the summer, how recruiting was going, what he was up to, like a variety of topics. Kenny Payne, I mean, we have the worst season that any of us have ever followed, and we're like, all right, he needs to reassure us that we're going in the right direction. We need to hear from him early and often this spring and the summer, and he just disappears. We're not recruiting well. He's not. He's going to Africa when the July evaluation period is opening up. He's not doing local radio shows. He's not doing local podcasts. He's not doing national podcasts until late in the summer. He's like, like we have no idea what's going on. We've got no reason to think that things are going to get better because he's not reassuring us whatsoever. And it is when you have that much of a a communication problem with the fan base. I, I think it's natural for fans to see that and say, "Well, if he can't communicate with us." How the hell is he properly communicating with his players? Because communications it's the name of the game in coaching. You can have you can be the most knowledgeable basketball person in the entire world. 
And if you don't have the skills to take that information and transport it to something else, someone else, put it in terms that they can understand, put it in, in ways that they can at least grasp a semblance of what you understand and have it work, then that knowledge is no good. Like coaching is not just knowing what you're supposed to be doing. Coaching is being able to communicate that effectively to your players and your, your fellow coaches. And I mean, the lack of communication that we've seen on display for the last 20 months now, 22 months now, is impossible to deny. And it's why it's hard to look at this and be like, I think things are miraculously going to get better next year. Not just a little bit better, not just 15 and 16 better. I think we're going to make the tournament next year. Even if we get a better roster, I've got no faith in that happening. And I really have no faith in our ability to four or five years down the line, when this rebuild is is supposedly going to be hitting full steam, that we're going to be national title good, which is the goal for this program. Texas, hey, Mike. Hey. Let me get your professional thoughts. And not to have you go against another local sports guy, but one guy is saying that Josh has full authority to do whatever he wants and was never told to stand down. The same person is also saying that there was never an interim coaching staff contacted or assembled prior to the Christmas events about firing Kenny Payne. I was under the impression that there was a staff assembled and or at least contacted about the opportunity and that something caused it to all shut down. I will tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, and I rarely do this. I rarely do this. I feel like I've, I've earned trust. I've not reported stuff that is, is not right. There was 100% an interim coach lined up to be named the Friday after the UK game. We'll put that on anything. Hmm. And their understanding was that it got shot down from above Josh was the way that it was put. And this isn't like I heard from this person, I heard from that person. I heard from the people involved. 100%. No doubt in my mind. I don't know who we're talking about that's saying otherwise. Maybe they've been told whatever by people. These are the people involved that told me this directly. So I'm putting it out there. 100%. I don't know what the situation is now. I don't know if Josh has full autonomy to make whatever decision he wants. I, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that this was the understanding of the person who was set to be named the interim coach was that I, we were ready to go. I was. It's been a wild week. I was ready to be introduced today. He was texting me this on Friday. And it got shot down from someone above Josh. That was the way it was put. Can you say who it was? No. Can you tell me? Sure. Okay. I, I'll show you the text. All right. Texas says, Scoots waking up 45 minutes ago shows that he's turning more into Trevor each and every day that he fills in. <laughs> I, I'm a big nap guy. Yeah, but you also got like- Big time nap TK guy. TK would get up at like 2 o'clock. You, yeah. you, you're getting up at like 6.15. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's different. I, I enjoy a nap as well. Naps are, naps are important. You know, isn't it funny how when you're a baby or a kid, you don't want to take naps, and then you get to be an adult, and you're like, holy smokes, naps are amazing. It is irony. There is yeah a lot of stuff that you want to do that you don't want to do as a kid, you like revel in as an adult when you get that opportunity. It's just it's different. Texture says I didn't watch the game yesterday, but if it makes you feel better, I made some serious coin on the over of Sky Clark turnovers two and a half and Baycott points and rebounds twenty five and a half. Yeah, Baycott did not hit the over on rebounds. He didn't no, and it screwed my parlor. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was one of the ones that we talked about because he had rebounded. He had like twelve or more in his last three games against Louisville. And I think he only had seven last night because Jalen Withers was just being greedy. Yeah, I wish I would have taken Sky Clark's assist in threes. Didn't do it. Yeah. He, he yeah, the threes he was, he was And Cormac. Wish I'd have thrown him in there too. Yeah, Cormac, the two and a half was was easy money. Texter says I looked up accountability in the dictionary and Kenny Payne was not listed on any of the synonyms. Well, no. 
We're not getting a lot of accountability. Texas Goodman Field of 68 will do anything but walk back their words. Maybe I'm just a naive UK fan, but I'm so tired of them pumping out content praising UK when six months ago they were their biggest critics. I mean, would you rather them just triple down? I mean, shouldn't people be praised for changing their opinions? I mean, I thought UK was going to be worse than they are. I still, I stand by my, my, I don't view them as a legitimate, I don't think they're going to win the national title. I don't. I don't think they defend well enough to win a national title. If I'm wrong about that, I'll say I was wrong. But they are better than I thought they were going to be for sure. I did not think, I thought they were going to be like kind of in that 18 to 25 range for most of the season, maybe top 15 occasionally, and they get, get knocked back down to earth when the tough SEC teams came calling. They're a legit top top, top 10 team yep. in college basketball for sure. Texture says, uh, and a lot of people are just saying it didn't go over the stream. Didn't go There's over the stream. There's so many of those. Didn't go over the stream. <laughs> I love dead air. Uh, didn't go over the stream. I worked on it over the break trying to figure it out, but I, it's nothing on my end, so I'll have to talk to our engineer. Texture says, did Dre Davis want to stay? This is one of those situations, and, and again, like I, with the the last thing, talking about the interim situation, all that stuff, Like I'm going to tell you when I know stuff. If I don't know I'm also going to tell you, like I, I don't know. Like there was, there have been two stories with the Davis brothers. The first was that they really wanted to stay at Louisville, and that you know Kenny Payne didn't really talk to them, didn't prioritize them, and kind of said thanks but no thanks. And the other one is that Kenny reached out and was like, "We really want you guys to stay. We think you guys could be great. It's your decision ultimately." And they both chose to go elsewhere. I don't know, but Dre Davis, I think it's pretty clear, could have could definitely have helped us the last couple of seasons. He's having a really good year at Seton Hall this season. Not a great Seton Hall team, but they're, you know, like they're getting right right now. Like Shaheen Holloway, you know, talk about a guy that's earning his paycheck. Like they're making significant strides towards potentially making the NCAA tournament. And Dre's averaging 13.2 points uh, and 5.1 rebounds per game. He's been dynamite since the uh, since the calendar flipped to the new year. He's scored at least 11 points in every game. He's uh, he's been very very good. So we could use him. Tay Davis isn't doing very much at Notre Dame, and I thought he was going to be better. And and he's still young. I think he's a redshirt freshman. We'll see what he does uh, moving forward. But but he is he's putting up minimal statistics for a not very good Notre Dame team. Texas it took until the middle of Rick Pitino's fifth season at U of L for him to lose forty games at U of L. Kenny Payne is projected to lose his fortieth game in January of his second season. Ooh. That's not good. Is that bad? Seems bad. It does. It is. Uh, Texture says, oh God, my whole like text line got knocked up. Texas, let's Scoots get a nap for the first hour and get rested up and just say the first hour didn't count. The second hour is actually the first hour. That's a good text. <laughs> I like it. You know, we had a, we, we we did have a lot of technical difficulties at, at times during you know the, the Big X tenure. We had issues. We had to go across to Jeffersonville and. Sometimes you know we wouldn't get. There was like a week where like we had two shows that just didn't work, and sometimes the pod didn't work. And that's all because you know, the, the first year and a half of the show didn't matter, didn't count. <laughs> we didn't have the resources to be competitive. I view this as basically the first year of the Mike Rutherford show. I agree. Yeah. Now we're doing fine. Texas says Jeff's D next year. Holy smokes! I hope Mister Piggy at Useless K enjoys his bacon extra crispy. Also, is Liam Cohen the new Vince Marrow? It seems like he's a potential candidate for every job in the country. UK assistants do love to be floated as, as as candidates for other jobs, and sometimes they do jump. But but like Liam Cohen, and I think you mentioned this yesterday at the KRC boys, like their their level of discontent about this is surrounding the fact that he came here and said explicitly, like I'm not going anywhere for multiple seasons. Like I'm here to do a job, and now after one year being back, he's like, eh, 
I may, be, may go here. I may go there. I may do this. I may do that. I feel but, like there's some inside baseball stuff going on there. Of course. I mean, he's probably trying to leverage for, for more money. But UK like, wasn't a great offensive team this year. It's not like – I think they were better than – they were under whoever was the other guy that was there for one year and went back to the oh Scangarello. Yeah, it was it was yeah not great. Like they were better this year offensively, weren't they? But they weren't like terrific. Well, I think that starts with the quarterback play too. True. Yeah, definitely was not was not very good. I think that was the frustration, right? Was you have Will Levis and you're not doing a whole lot with him. I'd be I'd be understanding too. Yeah. Texter says, uh, not all bad. Louisville did help my parlay by covering the spread. Sends props. Louisville plus twenty and a half. Houston minus twelve and a half. Auburn minus. Auburn's is the team to make money off of this year. Like they've been undervalued this entire season. And then USC plus nineteen and a half. Great job. Four leg parlay. Nailed it. Boom. I only made one bet last night, and it was like not anything that I researched. I saw. I followed Coleman Crawley. He's a college basketball guy, and he like. He's had some good picks this year. He has some sort of system in play, and he just like took an over-under in the second half of a game. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. And I won. That was it. Didn't bet anything else. Let me get back into it tonight. Texas says, Scoots likes thicky, thick girls. I do, too. I met my wife at Ballard, which is why I wanted to go there over Trinity. I did like Trinity lunches, though. <laughs> I mean, that's an accurate text. There you go. I, I did remember growing up, like thinking about how much I was going to hate going to an all boys school for high school. And I would yeah. just be, you know, I remember I'd be in like third or fourth grade because I, most of my friends were going to Trinity. I did, it kind of came down to Trinity or Ballard for me because my brothers had gone to Ballard, my mom had gone to Ballard, my dad had gone to Mail. And like I would always think, like when I was in like fifth grade, I'm like, they got three more years to let girls into that school. Like maybe it'll happen. Maybe they'll make a big change. And it didn't happen. I can't imagine. Nick and TJ in the morning always talk about how they didn't have girls. And I just, I cannot fathom a world. Where I go to high school and there's no girls to look at. It was definitely different. It Whoa. was. I mean, the thing is though, like I, I didn't. I don't know any different. I mean, I know I'd gone to to girls in school like my entire life before that. But like high school is different than any other level of education. Like there was something that I did kind of enjoy about it, just like not having to be like you know I didn't have to like you know, get dressed up or like you know feel like I smell good or like take a shower or like be presentable. Presentable. Yeah, like, I, I I could. I also probably would have paid less attention in class, even though I didn't pay that much attention in class. But it would have been, you know, I, I feel like it, it took a couple of years to meet like the right group of girls. Like, you would have definitely paid less attention in class. They were a welcome distraction. Yeah, I mean, in eighth grade, I remember I was just, you know, constantly just not paying any attention whatsoever, just just trying to flirt. Um, but it, it, it took a while. That, that was the only thing that sucked. Was it? I, I feel like you know, eventually we found like the I found like the the right group of girls to hang out with and and do all this stuff. And like, they're still like some of my best friends to this day. But it, like you know, the first couple of years, it's kind of tough because you don't you don't get to know people that well. It's 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 difficult. I can't imagine the immaturity of an all boys school. It, it was off the charts. <laughs> yeah, it was it was lots of penises being drawn, <laughs> just penises everywhere, basically. Just 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 pe- if you left your planner out for one second, yep. it, it was going to get penalized. Yep. Yeah. Texas, I'm concerned for pain. We should really have someone check on him because he apparently has amnesia and forgot an entire year. He thinks that this is his first year coaching here. Yeah. Amnesia is a crazy thing. Texas says uh, Kenny Payne is the black cloud. The, 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 the only thing that I have, because again, I am, am willing to acknowledge that there were there were things at play when he got the job that did probably hinder his ability to to bring in some players. And you know, he knew that going in, that Louisville was still dealing with the NCAA. My only question would be, what was different about the situation he inherited 
as opposed to the situation that Chris Mack walked into. Because, you know, Mack was dealing with the NCA stuff from day one. Mm-hmm. He had the same issue with like not being a we, we never knew when the penalties were going to drop there were all these rumors about when the NCAA is going to get to it is it going to affect this season like could they come and hit us with the postseason ban in February I mean that was the thing in the middle of the the season that ultimately got canceled by COVID 2019-20 we kept being like oh I'm sure the NCAA is going to announce their punishment like right like this has been a thing for like five years it's not like it just started in spring of 2022 where he couldn't go to players and say, I can't guarantee that you're going to be eligible for the, the NCAA tournament. Mack was dealing with the exact same thing. And I know the results under Chris Mack weren't up to snuff, but he brought in players. He brought in a, a very solid recruiting class that was headlined by a five-star McDonald's All-American. Didn't turn out great, but he still was. He got Samuel Williamson. David Johnson wound up being a pro. Uh, he got really good players in the transfer portal. I mean, Carly Jones was, was regarded by everybody as the number one player in the transfer portal. He came to Louisville. We got him. We had teams that were, I mean, I saw Nick Coffey shared the video earlier today of four years ago today, we were the college game day, game of the, of the, of the weekend, playing at Duke, a top four Duke team. We were, I think, like number seven in the country, and we go to Cameron Indoor and we beat them on their home floor. Like, that was four years ago today. <laughs> we were dealing with the same types of stuff that, that Kenny Payne is dealing with right now. I guess you can, I don't know what this whole broken and, you know, they were, you don't know what they went through before. I, I, you know, there's still been no details about what exactly he's referring to here. I don't know if it's just the losing or if the, the coaches were abusive mentally or physically, whatever it was. But for a couple of years, it was, it was fine. Like, you know, we, we surprised people by going to the NCAA tournament in Mac's first season and we made it easily as a seven seed. We didn't finish Mac's second year great. But who knows how the, the AC tournament would have gone? Who knows what that team would have done in the NCAA tournament? They still, the, the metrics loved them. The metrics saw them as a, a, a top 10 ish team that could have definitely won multiple games in the big dance. We'll never know how that would have played out. And then COVID derailed all the momentum that Mac had. Not that it's an excuse. He definitely needed to handle that better. But it's not like there wasn't a paved path to success that was out there in the midst of this NCAA stuff. And for Kenny Payne to use it as entirely an excuse for going 4-28 and and whatever we're going to do this year, it just feels disingenuous. What was different then than now? What was different? Yeah. Nothing. Right. How did, I mean, you know, Arizona fell off a little bit when they thought they were going to get drilled with NCAA stuff. They fired Sean Miller. And then, bam, they bring in Tommy Lloyd. They're a two-seed first year. They were a, they were a one-seed first year, I should say. They were a two-seed last year. Haven't had NCAA tournament success, but they've been a one and a two seed in the two years since then. Kansas won a national championship under the lens of the NCAA. Like, what are we talking about? Why do we think that our situation is so unique when all the details say it's pretty much exactly the same? Like, maybe we're more stigmatized. Maybe that is what you're talking about. I don't know. But it's on you then to get through to the recruits and get through to the families of the recruits, to get through to the transfer portal players and to say, like, you can be a part of turning this thing around. It's Louisville, for God's sake. Texas, I don't think that Kenny Payne is trolling us by playing Zan, but he does it so that Zan can have the experience of playing in big-time environments. He always plays in those situations. He does. He was the secret to success against Kentucky. Turned that game around, helped us cover the spread. <laughs> we did, it was pointed out to me today, that we did win the second half against both Kentucky and North Carolina. Nice. We are 2-for-2, two 2-0 two, two and oh in second halves against top 10 teams this year, which 
and this is not hyperbole, might be the biggest accomplishment of the Kenny Payne era so far. Beating Kentucky by one in the second half and beating North Carolina by one in the second half. Who's the next big game, Duke? Duke, I mean, look, if you are looking for a silver lining, I, I guess you can say, look, we, we, we covered the spread. We were, we were competitive for about 30 out of 40 minutes last night against North Carolina, and that's the best team we're going to play the rest of the year. We're not playing anybody better than the Tar Heels, and we play them on their home floor. Like Duke is good. Duke is t- Duke may be more talented than North Carolina. They're not the team that North Carolina is right now, and everybody else is. You know, there's a steep drop off right now in the ACC from the top two to everybody else. So, you know, that's as tough as it's going to get. Well, I'm betting Louisville second half against Duke. Probably a safe bet. It is at home though. We don't play well at home. Mm. You know that our. our our great one in twenty four record away from home is is, is staggering. Our By the way, did you see the FOIA request numbers for that NC State game? No, it was like six thousand two hundred or something, which <sighs> a number that really surprised me. It sounded louder. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was. I knew it wasn't fourteen or whatever they said it was thirteen 12, fourteen. I think they announced twelve five. I was thinking it was more like between seven and eight. I, w- I would have guessed like seventy five hundred. But God, that's still sad. It's still bad. But better. Hey, that's right. We're, t- we're talking about baby steps, right? That's it. Texas people complaining about Kenny Payne pressers has become more annoying than the losses, has it? I mean, maybe. I, I, I get. Well, what else do you want us to talk about? I mean, you can only be mad about the losses for so long. You got to find something else to be mad about. It's going to be such a long eight weeks still. <laughs> we still have eight weeks to go here, and like you know, and, and the games aren't going to get bigger. So, I, the, the, the next question, I'm, t- I'm I am telling you right now what the next step in this process is going to be, and it's going to be very similar to where we were like a week ago. The next, like we're going to beat like Georgia Tech and Boston College, and maybe Pitt. We're going to string together like I, I can see us in mid February beating. Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Notre Dame winning three out of four. And the question becoming, like, is this sign enough for us to get a third year? Like, that's going to be the last gasp in all of this. And people aren't going to know what to say. People aren't, like, 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 like people are going to be so checked out, and the other people are going to be like, hey, you know, it's, it's better, but it's not good enough. And that's going to be the whole thing. That's going to be every show that we do. It's going to happen. We're, like, this team will win some games next month. Texture says a direct conflict with the previous text that Kenny Payne audio makes my blood boil. Sobbing and weeping, he is the voice of my depression. <laughs> See, some people some people don't think we don't complain enough about the Kenny Payne postgame pressers. Texas, it's such a relief to learn uh, when I start my new job that I get a free year to be historically terrible without the scrutiny. And you still get paid. That's the good thing. I would have liked to have done that in my academic tenure. When I had, like, like I, I didn't do very well my freshman year of college, my first semester. I took a really hard class that counted for... I think six credit hours instead of just the, the standard three Jeez. and I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have taken it. And I should have been like, this is, you know, that, that was, this is my first semester of college, second semester. See, I'm the exact opposite. My freshman year was amazing. The I rest, should, I should have. the rest fell apart. <laughs> I got t- my dad forced me into this, this, this core program. I, I shouldn't have done. I, I knew I didn't want to do it. I still was like, all right, whatever. Just, just sign me up for it. And right away, the first week I was like, I, sh- I need to get out of this. And I just didn't do it. And I got, he tanked my entire GPA that first. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I got like a, I got like a C plus, which like again counted as like two C pluses and sort of tanked my GPA, which sucked. I was I was annoyed. I would have killed for a C plus in college. Well, it didn't count, so you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, by the end of college, I was I was less worried. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna need it to do anything with this GPA. Just get me out of here. And two, a year later, I'm like, hey, maybe I'll go to law school. It's like, oh, that GPA, <laughs> you're gonna have to crush this LSAT if you want to get in. 
Texture says, not going up the stream, not going up the stream. Texture says, hey guys, the science teacher is back here. Thank you. Sorry, Mike. Sunday is in fact a waxing gibbous. Oh God. Is it really? What better time than now for the Lions to break the moon streak? Also, big shout out to Scoots for stepping up, bringing great music and producing the hell out of the show. As I send this text, the KP audio is not going over the air. <laughs> Still, thanks, Goose. I had no idea that we were dealing with a waxing gibbous this, this weekend. That's not good. That's a disaster. Yeah. I mean, you, the moon's my life now. I, I live, every decision that I make is based upon what the moon is doing. And waxing gibbous says to me that the, the Bucks are going to win. I, like, I wish I was lying. I wish I was playing this up for effect. But like, that really did take a hit. In my, I was pretty confident about this game. And now I'm, I'm back to like think, thinking 50-50. If we lose, it's all about the moon. I, I, will, I will never bet on one of my teams again in a waxing gibbous. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll keep it up. Your thoughts on what we saw last night in Chapel Hill. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Here on 1450, The Big X. I heard the burritos out in California could fly higher than the birds. Roger McGuinn had a 12-string guitar. It was like nothing I'd ever heard. And the eagles flew in from the West Coast. Like the birds, they were trying to be free. While in Texas, the tub turned out back in. I'm Mike Rutherford Show, Thursday edition here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Why is Coach K trending like every single day on my like For You segment? Like I don't, I don't know. What's Coach K been doing? You've been doing a lot of research on Coach K? No, I, not at all. I mean, I've got Scott Peterson, Detroit Rams, and Coach K. I don't, it's, I don't like anything about that trio. I don't, I don't like it at all. We've got so yeah, it's better than HBO Max, Harrison Ford, and Stage 3. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I told you yesterday on the show that this was exactly how it was going to play out, and in fact, it, it did. You know, there was rumors about another transfer portal player flipping his commitment from Ole Miss to Louisville. We were talking about uh, Tavian Nicholson, uh, Taz Nicholson, and of course, the, the the rumors start. You're getting more people projecting it, and more people talking about this happening in the five o'clock hour. But we don't get the official announcement. What time was it exactly that he posted the tweet? Uh, 7.30 was uh, Tavian, oh, a Nich- little later. Tavian Nicholson going ahead and officially making it official that he has flipped his commitment from Ole Miss to Louisville. Uh, he came to Ole Miss by way of Illinois. Cornerback transfer, played big-time snaps with the Illini, was a very productive player over the past couple of, uh, of seasons. And a guy that I think will compete for that starting cornerback job opposite Quincy Riley. And even if he doesn't win it, a guy that's going to see the field a lot next year. Uh, he's a nice land. The third player now in the transfer portal that had been committed to Ole Miss that has flipped to Louisville. That's uh, it's kind of wild. We're going. Congrats on getting Jordan Watkins a couple years ago. Wish they played each other this year. Yeah, we, we, you know, it makes that that loss to them a couple of years ago in the first game sting a little bit more. Which I think was my that, that was like my first. U of L game on the station during the show. We, we we came on the air in August of that year. We had the loss to Ole Miss, um, and I was on the show. And it was like it was like I was solo that day, 
and it was just me ranting for three hours, which I don't I don't rant. People people keep saying nice rant today. <laughs> Let the record show I've, I did not rant today. It was absolutely not a rant in the first hour. That what was, would you classify it as? It's not a, it's a sports radio discussing things, <laughs> sharing thoughts, I'm giving opinion. I'm not ranting, I'm not ranting. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, is in the house. Follow him on Twitter, uh, at Justin Kalen, PXP. He's the best in the biz. He's calling games between 1 and 25 teams coming up tomorrow. Um, <laughs> it's going to be great. It's gonna be good. Is thanks, that, thanks for reminding me. Is Every that, time I forget about it, you bring it well, back it's, up. It, it stuck with me. I, I feel bad for you. Is that your only play-by-play work this weekend? Uh, no, I've got a doubleheader at Midway on Saturday. Classic Midway. How is the Midway team doing? Uh, they're not good. <laughs> Neither team is very good. It's I don't know what happened. Last year was so fun, and the teams were playing well. Then they both got new coaches this year, and it's it's just not been good. I did watch highlights of their game against Bellarmine back in like November, whenever that was, and they did not look good. No, that looked it, it looked bad. Yeah, that the men's team specific, the women's team's okay. They play a better brand of basketball than I think the men do, but the men just they got three transfers midseason, and they weren't playing well before those guys came in and now that those guys came in they're they're playing even worse because they just don't know how it's like they don't know what they're doing speaking of men playing bad and women playing better the uva women's basketball team is in action tonight uh cards looking to stay unbeaten in acc play they're starting a road swing they will play at clemson tonight at seven o'clock eastern clemson comes into the game eight and nine and one and four in the acc the cards number 13 in the country they're 15 and two overall and four and zero in the conference uh, that tip-off is going to be at 7 o'clock. The game will be only streaming tonight. ACC Network Extra has your coverage. If you want to listen to it, you'll hear it on our sister station, 970 WGTK. Get it done. Go Cards. Beat Clemson. Always a good day when you can beat Clemson. Let's make it happen tonight. Nick Kern will be on the call along with Courtney Walton. Louisville leads this series all-time 11-3. They're 11-0 and against Clemson with Jeff Walls as their head coach. 7 o'clock tip-off tonight at Little John Coliseum. Cards versus the Clemson Tigers. Man, 15-2. and two. 15 and 2. They, I mean, they, look, they took some lumps early in the season. They didn't look great, but they have not taken a like a, a terrible loss. They, they lost to Alabama in a, a tournament early in the season. That Bama team is is not a great team, but I think they're like 12 and 3 or something along those lines. And their only other loss is to is to UConn. So they're taking care of business. Despite being NC or despite despite, geez, NC State being number four, do you think they're the best team in the ACC? I, I think right now it's NC State. I mean, because NC State beat that same UConn team that whomped Louisville by 22. Mm. So, like, Louisville, they've played one good team in the ACC so far. They beat a ranked Miami team. They're, I know they're the only team that doesn't have a loss in the conference, but they've they've yet to play the best teams in that league, uh, and that's all going to happen, I think, next month. They play North Carolina, I want to say, at the very end of this month, but their games against NC State and Virginia Tech – uh, and Notre Dame, who's good this year, those are all coming up in February. So I think we'll get we'll get a true sense of how likely it is that this team makes a run back to the second weekend and potentially beyond the NCAA tournament next month. But right now, they're taking care of business. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're beating bad teams by, by wide margins. And let us not forget, until it doesn't happen, Louisville's the only program in women's college basketball that's been to five straight elite eights. Still on the table. They've no been to six straight Sweet 16s, five straight elite eights, Nobody else has done that. No big deal. No big deal. Jeff Walls, he can win the big one. It's going to happen, TJ. Shut up. <laughs> 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We will uh, take some more text from you guys. Texture said, oh, we can't hear the audio, can't hear the audio, didn't go over the stream, didn't go over the stream. <laughs> <laughs> Texture says, Kenny Payne's comments after every game are disrespectful to the fans that pay thousands and thousands of dollars for season tickets. 
give all the season ticket holders refunds for last year then. It, it, it is. I, I don't think insulting and disrespectful are too strong of words. Like, you know, you, you can't just say a total year didn't count when a year ago you were asking for the fans to remain supportive and to be patient, to keep going to games and, you know, cheer for the players and all that stuff. And then now you're like, yeah, it didn't even matter. Well, the money was real. The, the money that was spent was was true. The suites that were purchased by businesses and other people in town was real. The money that was donated to the 502 collectives and, and 502 Circle and the, the other initiatives that are trying to help your program out, that was real. The money that you made, I don't think you're giving it back. That was real. So if all of it counts besides the actual record, then kind of a slap in the face. Texas, thank you for not ranting. Thank you for saying that. And then the very next text. <laughs> the very next text is Mike is ranting. It was not a rant. It was absolutely not a rant. Texas Huntley Hatfield is a good player. Who all from this roster would you want back next year? It's a good question. We're already doing this. We've done this the last two years in January. Where it's been like, who do you want next year with a new coach? Who do you want to bring back next year with Kenny Payne's second year? I like. I don't hate a lot of the pieces on this roster. Like I, I think that Sky Clark in the right system can be a good player. I don't know if he can ever be like a, a top-tier point guard in college basketball, but I don't hate Sky Clark's game. I think he just makes the wrong decision because he's he's being asked to do a little bit too much. He also needs a situation where when he, if it's late in a close game and he makes a selfish play, goes one-on-one and, and misses like a highly contested floater in the lane, he needs a coach who's going to get on his ass. And he needs a roster where somebody can come in and replace him. Like I, I think that's what you need to get the most out of Sky Clark because right now, it's not as bad as it was last year with L. Ellis when he had total carte blanche, blanche, but it's kind of the same deal. Like, you know, Tyler, if you're going to bench Sky Clark for being reckless at point guard, Tyler is, for all the good things he does, is even more reckless. So you don't really have any other option. It'd be nice to have a better roster and a coach who's more willing to be like, okay, like you can't do that. Like, so when a guy does something stupid, somebody pull him aside and say, hey, don't do that. That would be a nice step in the right direction. I would love to have BHH back next year. Um, I get the sense that he wants to go pro. I mean, he wanted to go pro after last year, and he's having a better year this year. Maybe he can. Would he get drafted? You think? I don't know. I mean, he's I not. He's so. not on anybody's draft board. But at the same time, like if you stick around, like you know, he he one of his biggest assets was his age coming here last year, because he was basically he he played as a freshman at Tennessee when he should have been a senior in high school. Like we're doing the Kenny Payne thing with this. He should have been a freshman last year. He was technically a sophomore. And now he's a junior. Like he's only got one more year left. Do you want to like you know? Do, do, like I don't know how much he can improve his draft stock as a senior, but I'd love to have him back. I, mean, I think he's he certainly has. He's the one guy that you look at and you say he's definitely gotten a lot better since he first got here. He's gotten a lot better since the start of this season. He's still inconsistent at times, but man, he's got every skill. And if you do bring in a coach that that can get the most out of a guy like that, would love to have him back. I would take Scott Clark back. I, I would take uh, Huntley Hatfield back. I would take all the freshmen back. Oh, oh yeah, I would definitely take Curtis Williams, Caleb Glenn. I think with some improvement could be a nice glue guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you should start here unless he you know improves dramatically. And by the time he's like a senior, but I would love to have him back. I would. I'd like to have Tyler Johnson back. I think if you can harness some of the bad things that he does while keeping the positives, he can wind up being a really good college player. Um, I don't hate Trey White as a player as much as a lot of fans seem to. I think it's more of him just not fitting in with what is trying to be done here, which a lot of times is still hard to decipher. I think he's got a skill set that he that, that could make him a good third or fourth option on a good college team. Uh, but if he did not come back, I also would not hate that. 
Um, so, I mean, I, like, I would like to keep a bulk of the key pieces for next year. I, I think the right coaching staff and the right system with these pieces and a couple of other big acquisitions, big big additions in the offseason could have us being very competitive in year one and, and being at least flirting with the NCAA tournament. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Did not rant. <laughs> Stop saying that. Texas officer, I'm not drunk. My first three beers didn't count. This was my first beer of the day. It doesn't work in any other walk of life. <laughs> you don't get to, like, like who is the, uh, somebody made the the comparison earlier in the week where if you're, if you're put in charge of an account where the account's producing $100,000 per year for your company, and in your first year it produces $10,000 for your company, nobody's going to be like, well, you get a pass. It doesn't count. It's it's a slow process. Like you were put in to the position that you you were hired to do because people thought that you could not just maintain that level of success, but that you could build on it. That you were going to bring in more money for the company. And when you're bringing in a tenth of the amount of money, it's in, in, in any other walk of life, in any other job field, like you're gone. Like it's 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 over. You're not you're not even getting a year two. No, absolutely not. And, and you know. We're giving him a year or two here, and it's you know he's bringing in maybe like fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars this year, and some people are starting to say it's okay. Like no, we're <laughs> we are losing tons and tons of money, both literally and figuratively in this comparison. Um, yeah, it just it, it it's it's got to stop, it has to stop. Texas help calm my fear about KP getting a third year or a second year if you're Kenny. If the rumor is true that certain powers stop Josh from firing him after the UK game, then why wouldn't they do it again to get KP a third year? It's a good point. I mean, I think that that's it's a legitimate fear. I don't know. I mean, like I've heard from people at U of L that are saying like they're certain people, and you can probably figure out who are are, are claiming that they're going to take all their money away from U of L if Kenny Payne doesn't get a third year. At some point, if you're Josh, like that has to not matter. You have to say, first of all, if all of these people that we're that we're talking about all the disappointment, I mean, we can name name like, like you know people are people will bring up Junior Bridgman's name a lot. A guy with a lot of money, a lot of influence in the city, who was was I think vocal for the first time about anything really. He, he typically does not throw his name to the hat when it comes to decisions like this, but who vouched for Kenny Payne to get this job. And it's not just Junior; like there are other people out there that, that fall into that same category. And people are saying, "Well, they're going to take their money away from the program if we don't give Kenny Payne a year three. Their money's in the program right now, and it's an absolute catastrophe. What good is their money doing us right now?" We're not getting players. We're not getting wins. Nobody's going to games. We're losing an entire generation of fans. The fans that are sticking around are growing more and more apathetic with every double-digit loss. This is already worst-case scenario. What's going to happen if they take their money away? What? We're only going to win four games in a season? We've already experienced that. You've got to try something else at this point. Like It's not, it's not like the only rich people in Louisville are currently all in in the Kenny Payne camp, there are, are, are prominent... I said this exact same thing yesterday. There are prominent boosters out there right now who are growing more and more vocal about their dis- dissatisfaction with the men's basketball program's direction. I mean, it's all Aaron Flaker on Twitter today talking about how this is just uh, unacceptable. He's a guy who donated a ton of money to Louisville baseball, basically built the new uh, the, the, the batting facility. Like He's not the only one either. Like There are... Louisville doesn't have just a handful of guys that you can get money from. Look at what's happening in football. The, the, the NIL money that we're using to go out there and get all these transfer portal players, that's not there because 
these are people that are happy with Kenny Payne and the job that he's doing, and so they're donating money to football. Like that's not going anywhere. People are going. I think that you will see an influx of people stepping up and being like, "Look, you know, if these guys want to take their money away, I'm going to put money in because this just cannot continue." And even if you're dealing with a less with less of a pool of money, the on court results, if they get significantly better, are going to. I would assume make up that difference. And even if they don't, at some point it can't just be all about the money. At some point it has to be about getting this brand back to where it's supposed to be and making this fun again. This isn't fun for anybody. Nobody's having fun right now. The fans aren't having fun. The players aren't having fun. I can't imagine that Josh Hurd and any of the higher-ups at UofL are having fun. This doesn't seem fun for Kenny Payne. So what are we doing here? Why not change? Oh, no, we might not have as much money. <laughs> We're already in hell. Take the money away. Who cares? Maybe we'll be better without that little bit of money. What are we talking about? It's absurd. The other thing that kind of bugs me about the Kenny Payne year, you know, this is not my first year. This is basically my first year and all these excuses and all this lack of accountability. Like, I don't get why he seems to be this upset about the notion that he might not get a third year. He let us know it every he, he has let us and he continues to let us know at every step of the way how much he wasn't sold on taking this job. Which he said it at the introductory press conference when everybody was hanging on his every word and wanted to just get all excited. And even then, I was kind of like, I don't I don't like that, man. Because this is Louisville. We shouldn't have to talk anybody into taking this job. There are are coaches out there, accomplished coaches. Who would crawl across the country to take the Louisville job? Do we think in his heart he would want a third year? That's what I'm saying. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know why he's – he doesn't seem to be enjoying this. And he's let us know multiple times how he wasn't sure that he wanted this job and how he had to get talked into it and how people have told him that you know he's the only one that can save this program and all this stuff. If it's this much of a pain in the ass for you to do it, why not just step away? Why are you – reportedly fighting tooth and nail to not take any sort of a, a lower buyout and why are you you know deflecting all the accountability and try like why not just be like hey like this I, I tried it my heart kind of wasn't in it from the beginning this isn't for me maybe I'm just not suit to, suit, suit out to be a head coach I, I'm gonna go back to my old life I had a good life before playing second fiddle at some of the bigger programs and franchises in, in the, the basketball world they paid me well there was less pressure that's a good life. I'll go back and, and do what I'm good at. Why not make this easier for all of us? I mean, we talked about Chris Mack coming up and, and kind of being like, hey, I, I, you don't want me. I don't want to be here. Let's come to some sort of mutual agreement. I feel like Kenny Payne would be even in more of a position to want to do that. Like, we're not having fun. I don't think that you're having fun. Why not just be like, why are you fighting so hard? Texture said, uh, you can always find KP at the U of L golf course playing 18. God, I wouldn't know. Can't say anything. Beautiful course. Texter says, um, do you think what Kenny said last night was solely his opinion or has someone in the administration made him feel like he's getting a year three? I don't know. I don't know. But if you're asking me, like, am I am I worried about it? Sure. Definitely worried about it. I mean, if there are very clearly people at UofL that, that – that have influence, that have power, that that want Kenny Payne to, to, to get a third year. Um, if I thought that there was a chance that we were going to be markedly better 
and that Kenny could prove himself to be like the guy in his third year, then I'd be like, okay, you know, we'll see. I just, I don't. I don't think it's possible. Like I, I've seen enough. I think we could get to a point under Kenny Payne with the right, you know, with him getting more and more experience and getting some better players in here and and all that good stuff. I think we get to a point where we could, I don't know, make the NCAA tournament on a fairly regular basis. I don't think we'll ever get to a point under this guy where we are consistently ranked in the top 10, consistently viewed as a top-tier national title contender, and consistently making deep runs in the NCAA tournament. I don't. And when that's the case... It leads me to believe that the best course of action for this program to get back to where we want it to be is to cut bait as soon as possible. And so that's what I'm in favor of. Well, I mean, and him being an alum, wouldn't you think that he can see that as well? I mean, if he t- if he truly took a step back and looked at it through a lens of fans, he would be displeased with what he saw too. You would think so, Scoots. But maybe not. But he And maybe he does. And maybe he just gets in, in front of the mic – and whenever he does, he just kind of his, his brain starts going. And he just starts saying some stuff. I mean, it's happened to me before. If you have to talk on the radio for three hours every single day, there's going to be a couple of times where you say something and you're like, I don't even really believe that. Like, where did that come from? I just, I just got caught. I didn't know what to say, and I just said something. And maybe that's what happens to Kenny Payne every single time that he gets behind the mic. But if he does have that understanding that you're talking about, it would be nice if he at least communicated it to us. Because I'm going to use that as my excuse for the Rebecca Black thing. You just said something. Just, just that. You weren't thinking about it. It seemed pretty well thought out, though. It was a tough look for you. I, I mean, I would like to have – the frustrating part for us as a fan base right now, Well, I mean, among the dozens of frustrating parts right now, is that it doesn't seem like anybody kind of gets where we're coming from, right? Like, There's no understanding. And I understand that the viewpoint of a coach – is totally different than the viewpoint of a fan base. But Kenny Payne played here. Kenny Payne knows what the standard is. I think Kenny Payne has to understand that, like, no Louisville fan is going to be okay with being 24 games under 500 and then the next year being only 13 games under 500 or whatever we wind up being this year. Like, you have, like, he said it so many times, I understand what the standard is here. I, okay. Do you? Because you kind of don't seem to. And the way that he you know, talks about UK as if they exist on some plane that we can't even see is frustrating as well. Because for the bulk of my life, while Kentucky has been, I don't, you have to call it, call it for what it is, they've been the better program. It's not like they've been light years ahead of us. I mean, since, since, since I've been basically like a young adult, we've won the same number of national titles. We had a run there. I think for a brief period of time where it looked like we were poised to be the better program. I think the 2014 Sweet 16 win hurt for so many reasons. Chiefly among them was it kind of was like, okay, UK is, is back on top of us in this argument. But we've been right there with everybody in college basketball. And to now be like, you know, this is this is okay. I, I don't get why fans are so frustrated. I can't understand why anybody would not want me to have a second year or a first year or a third year, whatever the hell year we're talking about, is just – I think we look at that as fans. We're like, how can you, how, how can you not, man? Like, you, you play here. You know what the standard is. What, what, what are you doing? Like, it'd be nice if he at least communicated to us that he does understand where we're coming from and why the frustration level is what it is. Texture says, let's not talk about the game and just talk about how Scoots has to 
as Gil to get things off the top. Ask Gil to get things off the top shelf from him. That's from Scootator. Oh, that's a good one. Suck it, Scootator. Also says, I love dead air. It's not going over the stream at all, Scoots. Shaking my head. We'll get it figured out. Don't you worry. Is Gil tall? No. <laughs> no, he's not. He's taller than you? But he's maybe got me by a couple inches, yeah. Okay. He's he's probably 5'8". Short Kings Unite. That's right. It's our year, 2024. Texture says, uh, the year one comment reminds me of when a movie comes out and is horrible, and then people say, well, the director's cut is better, but they won't really release it. Do people say that? Mm. I'm, I'm so behind. I'm, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't follow movies anymore. Same. It's bad. If people do make that excuse, though, it's terrible. Texture says, there are zero thick girls at Trinity. Confirmed. It's true. Are there women teachers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was bad. Like you, you didn't realize like how starved you got when you'd be at Trinity. And, like we'd be talking about some of the teachers, and we're like, you know, she's actually pretty hot. And then you look back, and you're like, she was not hot at all. Like, like, well, like, like those are the standards. Like people are talking about it. You, well, I mean, that that went on at schools with girls too. Sure. I mean, you talk about like what workplace. Like she's a, at work, she's an eight, and at home, she's like a, a six or whatever. Which is a terrible line of thought. I can't believe we're we're pulling the the curtain back on just toxic masculinity. But it definitely happened at Trinity. We had a couple that were. Yeah, I did feel so bad. There would be this thing where, because every now and then, like a girl would have to come to school, like you know, they'd have like a program, like a tutoring program, and or you know, somebody would be there to pick up homework for like a brother or something for whatever reason. And you'd have like a girl from Sacred Heart Assumption walk through the cafeteria at lunch, and like the entire lunchroom would just be like, ah, like it's just straight animal, like just animalistic reaction, like just just baboons banging their chest and screaming. And I always felt bad for the girls, but I think part of them kind of liked it. It's a different life. Going to all boys high schools. Some good, some not good. Texas Scoots says he can't fathom a world where there's no high school girls to look at. I'm not surprised. Oh my gosh. Back then. <laughs> not now. Back then. Now when I go to a high school, I'm just checking out the moms. It's going to turn up on this Epstein flight log any day now. Jesus. One of these pages. You're going to be right there. Texas says, uh, I'm almost part positive that part of your group in high school included my former stepsister. You're about six years older than I am, but seeing how we're not about to name everybody we know through the text on the radio, we will never know. Ooh. Well, now I've got to know. <laughs> now I've got to now I've got to figure it out. Um, yeah. Texture says, Kenny Payne and Kevin Malone from the office. Close your eyes, and I bet you couldn't tell a difference. Okay. All right. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll touch on a couple of other stories to get to. Uh, and then I'm sure we'll circle back here to not just the text line, but our thoughts on the North Carolina loss and Kenny Payne's postgame comments. It's all happening here on a Thursday. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. Country Thursday with Scooter Dingus, a.k.a. Justin Kalen, here on 1450 The Big X. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Scoots is here. You're here on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450 as well. 
you're just joining us, most of the conversation has uh, uh, centered around the NFL playoffs. No, it hasn't. You know exactly what we've been talking about. <laughs> Louisville going down to Chapel Hill last night, falling to the fourth-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels by a final score of 86-70. to 70. And then I would venture to say that more of the conversation today has centered around Kenny Payne's postgame comments, namely him saying, to me, this is my first year because of what I inherited, the mess, all that good stuff. Uh, it's what we've talked about. I'm sure we'll talk about more coming up this hour. We do have a reminder tonight, the U of L women's basketball team, the 12th-ranked ladies, are taking on Clemson on the road. 7 o'clock is the tip-off. Only TV coverage is streaming on the ACC Network Extra. You can listen to it right here on our sister station, 970 WGTK. Uh, we've got some – it's kind of a rough night for college hoops. Not, not a whole lot going on. Mm-mm. I also keep thinking that it's Friday. I, I've been thinking that it were one day ahead. Like, you know, Tuesday I kept thinking that it was Wednesday. It, it's been a long week, Scoots. I know it's been a long week for you. It's been a – I think it's been a, it's been a little bit of a rough week for all of us. Uh, we're still – yeah, it's, it, it's, there's been a lot going on. But we will have tomorrow – Matt McGavick of Louisville Report will be in studio, smarten up the show – making us a little bit more intelligent, talking Cardinal sports for the, those three hours. We're excited to have Matt back. Uh, and, Scoots, you will be you, you will not be here tomorrow. I will not, no, thankfully. Partying. Mm-hmm. Ready to get after it. Probably this time tomorrow, waking up from a nap. It's, to me, that's partying. That's, yeah. that's what partying entails these days. If you, It is so sad when people are like, what would you do if you had a whole day to yourself? I'm like, I would sleep just like probably 14 hours and then just get stuff done around the house. It's so pathetic. It's 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 so pathetic, but that's where we are. Uh, the Thornton sex line again is 502-414-1450. The, we had a couple of football notes to, to, to mention. We did talk about uh, Louisville's new addition in the transfer portal. Jeff Brom and Brady Brom at the game last night in Chapel Hill. How about that? Nice. In North Carolina. It was cool. They showed up on the broadcast. It should be noted, I think that Brady Brom had a better seat than Jeff. He appeared to be sitting in the front row while Jeff was a row back. <laughs> it's just like their picture with uh, at Derby last year. They took a picture with Governor Brashear and his wife, and I think the, the the lieutenant governor was in the picture as well. And Brady like goes top step, arm around Bashir, and puts his dad down on the second step. Like Brady's just taken over. This this kid has no just no respect for authority. He's in charge. He's running the show. I love the I just love the whole attitude, love the vibe. But he was front row last night, cheering on the cards. It is cool to see, uh, you know, you know, cards supporting cards. It's been a while. You know, I think we had a good relationship between all the head coaches before all the bleep hit the fan at the end of the last decade. And and while like it's not like the coaches hated each other, but it did feel like you had Mac and Satterfield doing the the toilet papering the houses, which just felt totally contrived and not organic. But you didn't see them interacting with a lot of the other head coaches. I think there was a little bit of a divide there between some of those guys and some of the other coaches. And it feels like we're kind of getting back to that. I mean, Jeff is going to be supportive of every program. Um, I, I know the, the 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 other coaches were certainly supportive of football. Jeff Walls, you know, he made it a point to talk about, like, everyone get out to the football game this weekend when his season was just starting. I, I think it's really cool. It's I know it's a little thing. I know it's a simple thing. I know it's it's kind of one of those things that gets played up for the fan base. But it is nice to have an athletic program where it feels like everybody is supporting everybody else, right, Scoots? Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, get I, that I, at I, IU? Um, not really. Yeah. Everyone just hates Mike Woods. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really know how to answer that. I don't because I'm not around it. I don't. I don't pay enough attention. Basically, it's fair. And, and you know, when I you, can tell you it happens at Midway. That's always fun. 
Well, and you said Midway. They're reaping the benefits of it on the court right now. No, they're not. But <laughs> they, they always have nice crowds just due to the other athletes showing up and watching them. And you got coaches from other teams showing up as well. I always like that about Midway. It's like it's like the you get the family atmosphere type deal. That is good. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well back in the day. I mean, I feel like Jeff Walls and Rick Pitino had a really good relationship. Uh, at one point in time, Charlie Strong was really tight with the other coaches. It's just it, it makes it it makes it better mm-hmm. when it seems like everybody's getting along and you've got an athletic program that's all working in the same place. Now, I would like if men's basketball would use football a little bit more, take some recruits to some games, especially when we're <laughs> setting attendance records and having a historic season, but that didn't happen. But again, that's my gripe. Um, last night, we, we don't need to rehash all of our thoughts when it comes to the game. We, we talked about it a lot in the, the first hour. I, I didn't rant. Don't <laughs> let anybody tell you that I ranted. That absolutely did not happen. But it was kind of a – I'm saying it was kind of a predictable result. I thought it was going to be worse. I think I picked us to lose by 24, and it certainly looked early on like it was going to be real, real bad. To this team's credit, they didn't do what, what I think they would have done a year ago, which is just let it get out of hand and let it kind of hang around the 30-point margin for the entire game. They did battle back. They had a great start to the second half. They cut the lead to five multiple times. Having said that, it never felt like a game where you were like, we're going to win this thing. I was more interested. I was more locked in. I was cheering for them when you know they were cutting it to five. But you just knew we just don't defend well enough to win those types of games. And until that changes, it's hard to have a whole lot of hope that we're going to beat a legit top 25 team, a legit team that's a threat to win games in the NCAA tournament, because we just you can't win those types of games without defense. I think the Kenny Payne thing after the game took over and sort of took the place of the conversation about the game, are they making enough strides? Are they are, are they fighting enough to restore your faith in, in the direction of this program? And then Kenny Payne comes out and says, it's, it's, not, it's not my second year, it's my first year in my eyes. And everybody's like, oh, and, and then that becomes the topic. Let's do, before we get back to the text line and what everybody's saying, uh, should we do our coaching search candidate yes. of the day? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, we've had some some big names recently. We have. Not yesterday. Rob Lanier was not, not not the biggest name. Everyone wants to know what's going on with the coaching search. Everyone wants wants rumors. Everyone, my, my DMs say I got some insiders nationally. They're like, hey, what are you hearing? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> nothing. They're like, are you hearing what I'm hearing, which is that he's going get, to get the seat? I'm like, probably. I, but no. There, there's no big buzz. So when there's no big buzz, you're just going to make it up. And we make it up with the coaching search candidate of the day. We pick a random number. We assign it to a coach. And that person is the guy who's interested in the Louisville job today. We will let Scoots pick the number today. How about any number between 3 and 46? Ho, let's go with, let's go 3. Let's see what 3 has to offer. Oh, boy. (laughs) I like this one. There was a lot of talk when Kenny Payne was hired from people saying this is Louisville you can't hire somebody who's never been a head coach before right can't can't do it lifetime assistant this isn't a job where you learn on the fly it has however worked at some other big time programs the fact that Kenny Payne flopped i don't think is indicative that a a, a lifetime assistant can't get the job done at a program case in point Tommy Lloyd at Arizona ooh Long-time right-hand man of Mark Few at Gonzaga. Finally gets his shot in kind of a weird circumstance where Arizona gets rid of Sean Miller because of a combination of lack of on-court results and the NCAA FBI investigation. So they bring in Tommy Lloyd. They're like, let's see what he can do. Why not? If it fails, it fails. 
and we'll be able to bring in somebody bigger because we're out of the NCAA cloud. Year one, Tommy Lloyd, all he does wins 32 games. That's it. Takes Arizona to a, a number one seed. Gets them. They go to the Sweet 16. They get upset by Houston. But a 33-4 and four record in year one. Year two, how about a number two seed? Upset in the first round by Princeton, but still. A two seed in a Pac-12 conference tournament championship. Not a bad run. And now in year three, he's got the Wildcats sitting there, 13-4, and four, top 10 in the country, number three on Ken Palm. Maybe he wants a new challenge, though. Maybe he wants an even bigger stage, bigger fans, bigger money, bigger conference. <laughs> Maybe he wants to make the jump to the University of Louisville. There's buzz. There's buzz scoots. He's, he's always been more of a Midwest guy as it is, so... Love, yeah, it makes sense. Loves the Midwest, despite yeah. the fact that he spent like two decades on the West Coast. Loves the Midwest. <laughs> he's more of a Midwest guy. He's mid, there's a whole Midwest vibe about him. I don't know what this old Pac-12 Big West thing is. I think he'd thrive in the ACC. Tommy Lloyd, palpable buzz. He's having some conversations with Louisville. Wants the job. Is that the best yet? I mean, yeah. Can <laughs> you kidding me? If we could get Tommy Lloyd, I'd, I'd die. Uh, I mean... You know, it's it's like I've said a million times though. Like I don't think that we're going to get the the home run hire coach who checks every box. If you're looking at Tommy Lloyd, you can look at all these. I mean, the numbers are incredible. He's two and two in the NCAA tournament. Like that's has not taken a team past the Sweet Sixteen. Been upset twice and by in relatively large fashion. So you would say, well, can he get it done? But I, I mean, the dude clearly knows what he's doing. Like like they've had talent at Arizona. He's had some big time players, but he's also got had guys that have gotten a lot better under his watch. And I mean, they're probably going to be a top four seed again this year with a decent chance of making a run in the NCAA tournament. Like he's, I, yeah, I, I'd give a pinky for Tommy Lloyd for sure. <laughs> no questions asked. Who needs pinkies anyway? Who needs pinkies? I don't think what, he's going anywhere. Here's the true like. question: Would you give a thumb for Tommy Lloyd? No, I'm not giving a thumb for anybody. <laughs> you need thumbs. You do. Yeah. You need. I, I do remember. Um, my freshman year of biology, shout to to Mike Budniak, who's I think still there at Trinity. But you know, we're learning about evolution and you know how important thumbs were in, in the process of like humans you know, evolving and all this stuff. And he was like, if you want to know how he did an activity, I think he still does it, where like you had you taped your thumbs together and you had to like do everything without thumbs the rest of the day in school. And it was impossible. Like you know, you're trying to like open your locker combination without a thumb. It's you couldn't like turn the handle. It was terrible. It was awful. I was like, yeah, thumbs are a big deal. But pinkies, you know, pink, our pinkies are going to fall off in like 50 years anyway. <laughs> We're going to start having our pinky toes and pinky fingers just fall off. We don't need them anymore. Reminds me of that commercial with the dog and the guy, Foz. He's like, who knows? Maybe 100 years I'll I'll be tailless and you'll be the one with the tail. Could be. <laughs> we don't know. It's, it's all good. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. The text line has been humming all day long. We want to make sure that you're heard from it. It's your damn show as well. Let's read some text. Texture says, in KP's world, did his first year $3 million salary just magically appear in his bank account from the Spirit Children Pixies? The evidence is piling up. <laughs> I do love that we can use this as an excuse now. I kind of wish that there was one. Like, Kenny Payne is treating his job like a breakfast ball mulligan on the first tee of a, a drunken, hungover round of golf. <laughs> Didn't count. <laughs> Every first-year coach gets a breakfast ball, yeah, right? Absolutely. I've never done this before. What do you expect out of me? Um... I did like my, my latest is this about Kenny Payne tweet, which I, I just respond to people randomly on Twitter when they have vague tweets and just say, is this about Kenny Payne? The girl who had, I shouldn't say girl, the, the, the woman who had done 
the most recent New Yorker cartoon. It's you know, it's it's a cartoon, I'm pretty simple joke, pretty pretty simple premise where you've, you've got two cowboys that are looking at each other, and one of them is saying, "It's my second rodeo, and everyone is acting like I should be some kind of expert." You know, the whole like this is my first rodeo, and I just responded to that with, "This is about Kenny Payne." <laughs> This poor woman was like, who the hell is this responding to my New Yorker cartoon? I don't even know who Kenny Bain is. I'm like, sorry. It's for, it's for a gig that I do. It's for, for a job. Texas says, um, here's my four-leg parlay for the weekend. Lions and Packers are winning. They meet in the NFC Championship, and the Lions play the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Four-leg parlay, Ravens money line, Packers money line, Lions money line, Bills money line. Mm, don't like that. That would pay. That would pay, but I don't like it. What's the spread for the Lions game right now? Do we know? Uh, six and a half. Are they really that much of a favorite? Yeah. Do they know about the waxing gibbous? Do odds makers know about the moons? That's true. I feel like we kind of have to get that out there. Uh, six and a half. I guess I'm not surprised. We, we did. We beat the Bucks twenty to six. Well, you got to think the Bucks in the regular season. The Bucks play down in Tampa, so they're the weather's going to hurt them. Got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Do you see that yeah. interaction? Yeah. I felt that's, bad. That's why I made the joke. I felt bad. Yeah, if you if you didn't see like the, so I felt bad. It came out after. There's a woman reporter at the the press conference with the the, the Bucks coaching staff yesterday, and she asks you know, the head coach about the weather and seeing teams fall victim to weather, and it's going to be cold in Detroit and all this stuff. And of course, the Lions play at Ford Field, which is a, a dome stadium. I, I did see afterward that like she worked at a news station that had yeah. its whole sports staff just like dismantled right and so she's pulling double duty she's, like, she's not a sports person so she didn't, didn't really know i'm like that that kind of sucks i feel bad for her but yeah that's that was a tough tough look um yeah lions do you see the other the, the cj gardner johnson firing up baker mayfield no he i, I guess he and i unfortunately i will give baker mayfield credit for handling it pretty well yesterday but cj gardner johnson was was asked about you know, wide receiving cores and and, and all this stuff. And this was last week when they were getting ready for the Rams. And he said, this group is probably one of the better groups that we've faced all year, besides probably that Tampa group. If you give that Tampa group a good quarterback, that's a great group. Evans, Godwin, Gage, that's a great group. I played against them for real. And so, you know, Baker Mayfield gets asked, like, hey, like, you know, their best secondary player said, the Bucks would have the best receiver group if they had a good quarterback. And he responded with, I don't think he's really watched film because he mentioned Russell Gage, and we love Russell, but Russell hasn't played a snap for us all season long. I didn't think so. He had, yeah, he tore his ACL in the, in the preseason. He said he must be going off preseason stuff that the media was talking about. I'm excited to see him. I think he's a really good player. He has been for a while. He's been an impactful guy on every team that he's been on. So he's a good player, but yeah, just got to do a little bit more film study. It, it, it's a weird quote because Garner Johnson – didn't play so the Lions beat the Bucks twenty to six in week six this season and he didn't play in the game. He was he was hurt for that game. So he must just be going off of the past and, and trying to take a shot at Baker Mayfield just to take a shot. Because he's 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 a bleep talker, but Mayfield handled it pretty well, I think. And I like as somebody who just despised Baker Mayfield in college and like I've I've got no rooting interest in the Bucs and I had no rooting interest in the Browns, he does kind of he has kind of won me over a little bit. I, I like the way that he's handled a lot of things. He's like, like case in point right there. Like that's the perfect response to somebody is just be like, yeah, I don't think he watched that much film because this guy hadn't played the entire season. It's kind of a shot, but not a shot. Yeah, I mean it's it's better than being like I'm a, like well I think you suck at safety and I'm gonna light your ass up this weekend. Like it's a it's a more intelligent way to not really fire back, but also kind of fire back. 
I like the way that he handled it. But I hope he plays like crap on on Sunday. <laughs> so. Texture says 502-414-1450. Mike, as a fellow ranter, I did not rant. With much, <laughs> but with much smaller audience, I just want to say I love the rants. You kill it every time. You're a voice of the fan base, and we're all ranting pretty hard right now. So own it and be proud. Did not rant. Matt McGavick, who's on the show tomorrow, texted me that during the last hour. He's like, great rant. I was like, it was, <laughs> was not a rant. Did not rant. I, I, I don't rant on this show. What's the last time? So, Scoots, we, we've done a number of radio shows together. Mm-hmm. But you've you've never really gotten like so fired up to the point where like you've kind of gone off about something. I'm assuming you've done it at some point on KRC. Um, I mean, maybe I can't think of anything at this point in time. But I'm I'm usually pretty even keeled. It takes a lot for me to get fired up because it's you know it's not it's not your show. It, it's right. It, it's it's TJ and Nick. But I would assume at some point you get like pissed off about something and you go. I mean, of course, this wasn't Trevor's show, and Trevor still like you know just kind of took over and would rant for like 45 minutes. I mean, the most mad that I really get is when we talk. If, if Gonzaga or Purdue gets brought up as like oh, a boy. legit championship team, I, that that I get that fires me up pretty much. A lot because it's just never going to happen. Until it happens, I I won't believe that it's going to happen. You're one of those guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know they played in two national championship games. Yeah, have they won one? Still. Have they won one? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, people used to say Virginia was never going to happen. Then it happened. Virginia also got upset by a 16 seed. They also won the national title. It is college basketball is a wild ass sport. I've written some variation of this this central point. I think like three or four times where. Like the the narrative is the narrative until it's not, and then when it flips, it flips completely. Like we're we're the craziest sport. If you go back, one of the fun like, like really fun things I had for a piece was going back and looking at all the stuff that was written about Mike Shashevsky before he won a national title. Like in the eighties, he lost to Louisville in the eighty six title game. He lost a couple of national title games, and there were people who were like, "This guy's just never going to win a national title." Like he's got the monkey on his back, and then when it happens, you instantly go from he's a choker. His system doesn't work. It's like he's the greatest coach in the sport. Like, like he may be the best, and we do it with every coach, like every major coach. We did it with we did we did it with Jay Wright recently. You know, Jay Wright, Villanova was always getting bounced in the early part of the NCAA tournament, and he just he doesn't have it. We did it with Roy Williams when he was at Kansas. All this talent can't get it done. We did it with John Calipari, and we're kind of doing it in a second way with John Calipari because now we're saying he should win more than one. We, we definitely did it with Tony Bennett. Like that system, cool. It works in the regular season. You can't win a national title playing pack line. And then it goes from like, this will never, ever, ever happen to when it actually happens. Like, oh, okay, yeah, but he's great. So it doesn't, it doesn't count. And it, it's, it's a wild thing. If Gonzaga, you know, if they get a, like that, that championship game against North Carolina, I'm not saying it was to their detriment, but it was one of the worst officiated games of all time. Like the officials just took away any flow from that game. Carolina was clearly the better team, I thought, deserved to win. But let's say a couple calls go differently, or they make a couple more shots, and they win a national title. Like everybody talks about Gonzaga differently. Like just a couple of different whistles. Hell, if Texas A and M gets a a whistle, or that foul against in the Auburn Virginia game isn't called, we t- we still talk about Virginia the way that we talk about Gonzaga, and we probably talk about Auburn and Bruce Pearl if they win the national title in a different light. We certainly talk about Chris Beard in a different light. Mm-hmm. It's just a like March is the, the line between success and failure is so thin and it determines pretty much how we talk about the entirety of the sport like the, the first four months it, when it comes to our narratives just matters so little compared to what happens over three weeks and i love it it's it's crazy but it is like it is no other sport does that where it's just everything revolves around the postseason but that's why we love the tournament oh yeah it's, it's the best 
Texture says, do you believe that KP could, <laughs> could beat Trevor's ACT score? Come on. Well, the team's not going to beat him in win total, but yeah, I think he could. <laughs> Texture says, you've never been uh, poised to be – oh, this is oh, this is um, angry guy. You've never been poised to be better than UK. UK has eight titles and you have two. We have three. And UK has the most wins in college basketball, period. They don't. Keep dreaming. Uh, I mean, in the 80s when we started playing, UVL was definitely the better program. And every UK fan that follows basketball agrees. Texture says, Scoots, do you ever think where IU would be if you never let Samson go? This is what may get you. This is probably the closest that yeah, I've heard you to ranting about. Yeah, something. for sure. I'm not going to rant on it now because we've touched on it a couple times already this week. But yes, I think about it all the time, all the time. Do you think Kelvin Sampson would have won a national title at IU? I do. Yeah. And I, I was I was telling you the other day, and I can get I may get laughed out of the gym for it, but I mean I, I truly believe the year he got let go, we would have won the championship. Really, truly believe that. I mean, we looked up the record the other day. They were 22 and four. They were playing incredible basketball. Yeah, I, th- I think they went at that year. It was a good record, but it was still was a team that was like 16th in the country. And oh, they, they ended they up being were, an eight seed. They were gelling. Okay. I mean, eight look, seeds won it before. Once. <laughs> Seeing how like Samson has done it at Houston, I can buy the argument. Like you look at Indiana, the resources they had, the way that he was recruiting, like they would have been a national player. I feel like it, it, it's definitely a, it's a gigantic what if. It's probably the biggest what if in like the modern era of, for for IU basketball, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can also say like, what if IU didn't meet Syracuse in the 2013 Sweet 16, some That's stuff true. like that. But I think that one's the biggest one. Texture says um, it's conspiracy time. Okay, Kenny Payne is a Kentucky plant, and I refuse to believe otherwise. He legitimately doesn't want to be better than his buddy Cal. Laughing with him after getting blown out by UK is a fireable fireable offense on the spot. Well, he's done it twice now. Um, I actually kind of want this to be true. <laughs> would be a great story. It'd be a fantastic story. And it would make so much sense. It would be one of those where I'm like, yeah, you know, we joked about it. I'm surprised that it actually was real, but you know, we probably should have we should have seen it. You know, we should have we should have known. It'd be if they did like a doc, let's say like Kenny Payne's on his deathbed in 30 years and he's like, I just wanted everyone to know the rumors were true. I absolutely like Nike and UK conspired to get me the job and I was working for Kentucky the entire time. I feel like that would be a documentary where people 30 years later would be like, how did Louisville fans not, not see this? <laughs> like, how did they, they won four games. My God, it's a program that had never lost more than 20 in a season. And they go four and 28 in his first year. And he's not recruiting anybody like, yeah, they should have figured this out really quickly. Ends the statement by apologizing to Kentucky fans for winning more than 10 games. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I was trying to throw the Clemson game. The fans just say, you know, they, they were they were they got really going. Like what happened against Miami? It's like we we had a bad game plan. <laughs> we didn't come out with the right mentality. We shot it too well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 like you know, every now and then you see a documentary now uncovering a truth, and and you're like, how are these people so dumb? Like how how are they so willfully naive? I feel like that would be us in 30 years when the Kenny Payne plant documentary comes out. It's like Louisville fans really just dumb, dumb as hell. They're using clips from this radio show. I'm looking like, I'm looking like the biggest idiot of all time. Like, hey, he's not a Kentucky plant. He just sucks. Texture says, uh, if KP wins 13 games, are people above Josh gonna uh, gonna put stop to him making a move? Surely drop tenants will make it hard to make not to make a move. I, I, again, I don't I don't know. I, I I can't imagine. I don't think that's the case, but I can't tell you for sure. I I, I just I can't I can't. 
Texas Mike, this is the Zan Payne guy. I think we're in for a big performance on Saturday at Wake from Zan. Confidence should be sky high after his electric tip-in. Have to be disciplined against the Steve Forbes team. That's Zan. I feel like this is a Zan Payne game. Well, the last time you predicted it, he did take steal the show against uh, against UK. So, <laughs> Wake Forest does scream Zan Payne. You need grit against the Steve Forbes team. He's bringing the grit. Every time he comes in, though, I'm just like, it feels like a troll. It, like, like that would be another thing where, like, in this documentary unveiling that, that Kenny Payne is a plan, he'd be like, yeah, I'm, I, he's like, it went so far that I was, I was playing my son. Nike executives were like, you're, you're, you're flying too close to the sun. It's, you're going to make it too obvious right now. And I, like, I just kept doing it anyway. I just picture the impractical jokers guys in their car <laughs> and they're like, now put, Zan. Now put Zan put in the Zan. game. <laughs> they just bust up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now, now, all right. Tell everyone it's actually still your first year. <laughs> oh God! It, it, but again, like I, I, I want that to be true. It, it's so much more comforting to believe that this is all by design. That there's, it, it, it can't just be as simple as wild incompetence running free and and the, the program just organically and naturally going to a place that you know, we never saw. Uh, a depth that never could have been believed because that's where we are. I, 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 I would love to go back and listen to the, I'm not going to do this, but I would love to go back and listen to some of the shows from two years ago at this point in time. Cause we thought that was as bad as it could possibly get, you know, the, the, the Chris Mack leaving Mike Begeese taking over that team, you know, struggling its way to a what we've, 11th place finish in the ACC, winning one game in the conference tournament and being competitive against Virginia. Like that was 13 and 19 or 13 and 18, whatever we wound up finishing that season was like as bad as it, as it could have gotten, right? As it, we thought that was the, the lowest of the low. And we were 127 on Ken Palm. We finished 13 and 19. And then to sit here now and be talking about, we've won 10 combined games since then. It's, I, I, I didn't think it was possible. I feel like I've said it a million times. I never would have ever, ever believed anybody who said, you can go 4-28, and 28, unless it was somebody doing it on purpose at Louisville. It's just, it's unfathomable to be at this position. And the fact that some people are acting like this is normal is just, it's beyond me. It's, I mean, Keith was the first to point it out. And Keith was like, I always thought that if you had a season at a place like Louisville, where you're like, you're 0-12 in football or 4-28 and 28 in basketball, that everybody would be on the exact same page. Doesn't matter who the coach is. Doesn't matter what year he's in. If it was Rick Pitino coming off a of national, like everyone would be like, "This is just pathetic. Like this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. This can't continue." And it turns out that's not the case. It turns out you're going to have a lot of differing opinions. But it's just been these have been the strangest times, and I'm so ready for them to be over. People are like, "Well, it's good for your radio show." I'm sick of the "It's good for your radio show." We've had "It's good for your radio show" basically since I started doing radio. You know what else is good for your radio show? Louisville winning and being competent and and putting up big numbers. I would kill as much as I've railed against bracketology and Joe Lenardi. I would kill to have Joe Lenardi on as a guest every single week and just be like, "What do you think Louisville is this week?" Like, look at the numbers. Like, I miss normal basketball conversations so bleeping much. I am so ready to just talk about games. Talk about the NCAA tournament. Talk about where we fit. Talk about where we need to get better. Talk about who else is doing well. Bring back boring radio. Hashtag BBR. Make it happen. Bring that home, prom guy. Let's take a break. When we come back, 502-414-1450. That's not a rant. 
Don't, don't say that was a rant. It's just it's an impassioned couple of lines. Uh, we will take more text from you guys, and then we'll look ahead to the night that is in the world of sports. It's kind of a eh, not great night in college Blah. basketball. Maybe we'll pick some NBA games. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll shift, change it up a little bit. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Thursday to you from all of us here at 1450 The Big X. I was a uh, Ain't That Lonely Yet was one of my favorite songs. Big fan. Thousand Miles From Nowhere. I don't need, puts I, out bangers. I don't know if I knew he acted. He's been, yeah, he, he was in, um, uh, he was in what, I think Old School? or one of, the, one of those comedies. It was a very minor role where he was like the the, the guy getting divorced. It was uh, Wedding Crashers where Vince Vaughn is mediating the, the divorce. He's the husband there. Uh, he has been in kind of a lot of bit parts. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's he's got a lot of credits at this point. I think he's done more acting than music over the last like ten years or so. He's in Sling Blade. Sling Blade. He was in a, a Four he, Christmases. He's in one of like a, a UFO movie, like an alien movie back in the day too. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been doing some acting. Good actor. Hmm. Killing it. Good for him. Hollywood Homicide. Yeah, Dugan texted very quickly to say he was in Sling Blade. Do you know where he's from? Uh, somewhere in Kentucky. Yep. I know that. I don't. You don't remember. know the city? Uh, Union. Nope. Where? Pikeville. Okay. Shout out to Pikeville, Kentucky. That's right. We love you. Uh, we are back here on the Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. It looks like we're about to get some weather, a little, uh, little snow, a little I sleet. Scared. We'll see what happens with the schools. It's uh, nothing out right now. I can tell you that. Looking behind me in the parking lot, some kid just left his lunchbox and, and water bottle right there in the park in the, in the parking space. It's tough Open luck. your window and yell at him. Well, no, the, the, the car's gone. Oh, oh the truck just ran over it. Tr- different no. truck just ran over it. Oh, truck, <laughs> truck literally just ran over it. As I'm sitting here, that's gonna be a tough morning. I gotta take a look. That yeah, you can check it out right there. That parent's gonna get home tonight and just be like, oh, oh, it's bad. You see it? That's so sad. It is sad. <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's not a good moment. Uh, did you? I don't know if you ever had to deal with this when you were growing up in Indiana, but the the difference between Catholic schools and, and public schools getting out about how there was like no consistency. The worst feeling in the entire world was if JCPS was out and we had to go to school. Like, imagine that. Like, your, your friends are, like, my friends at Ballard and Mail are like, oh, we're out today. And I'm like, I've, we have to go in at 9 o'clock or whatever. Like, it was just, it was terrible. Like, get some consistency. Let's all, we're all Louisvillians. Let's all get on the same page. Let's all have the same school closings. No, nah, we didn't have to deal with that. Providence is the only private school over there that I could, well, Christian Academy, too, that I can think of. So, Those sons yeah, and, and they were always, I mean, that's, from where I grew up, that's like 30 minutes away. So, yeah. Didn't, didn't really pay attention. I get it. I, I did. Oh, the, the worst feeling in the world too was growing up, going into school, and like we would listen to the radio. And on snow days, like out, I felt like everyone out in the state was just always off. And they would they would just like be ripping through all the county closures, and like Oldham County, Owen County, O W E N, like all like all these counties were just always closed. And it was like Jefferson County schools are open. I'm like, don't rub it in. This is the worst day of my entire life. That it was, was a terrible a, feeling. That was like a top five feeling though of my whole oh, entire God. life when you had to watch the tv screen 
and you finally saw your school pop up. The best. You're I mean, like, hell yeah. Gr- there was nothing. I've been chasing that high in my life, my whole life since then. <laughs> there was it's nothing true. better than finding out that you were going to be off school <laughs> on TV. Or like, even two-hour delays were rewarding, too. I, I would always say, you know, it'd be one of those, like, you'd wake up at my alarm would go off like 6.30 or whatever, and if you found out you had a delay, I'm like, I'll take a delay. All right, it's an extra hour. Yep. I'm, I'm going back to sleep. Absolutely. That's a good feeling. When I got older and started, like, like junior high and stuff, my mom always ruined it. Because I, I would wake up with an alarm clock, and my mom, so she never woke me up. I'll get up on my own, starting in like I don't know, like fifth grade, sixth grade, and so she would come into my room, and so I knew right then that she, you know she would be like, "It's time to get up," and then she'd be like, "But there's no school," like every single time. And I'm like, "You're not, you're not so, like when you come into my room, like I know for a fact that we're we're gonna be off school." So when my alarm did sound, it was like the worst feeling then because I'm like, ah, "She would have gotten me up if we we're gonna be off." It was terrible. She ruined it for me. The worst mom alive. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll try to rocket through as many of these texts as we can, and then we will... Uh, so many still. Jeez. You'll be surprised. We'll go lightning speed here. We'll go rapid fire. No, you you do have a way of surprising me every time when I'm like, there's no way we finish, and you somehow always do. I always try. I always try to have, have most texts read on the show, uh, and then we'll pick some games at the end of the show. Texture says... While this isn't a rule, I don't believe that coaches with losing records should dress in track suits and have leisure wear. <laughs> You've got, you have to wear a suit until you earn the right to dress down. I like that. I, I think that is a good rule. If you are, it, It's like rushing the court. The standards that we have for that. You, you've got to be playing a top 25 team. You've got to have like you know historical whatever. That's the same rule. Well, doesn't it make sense? They, they always say dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Maybe he just wants to be chilling. Well, like, it all adds up. In our case, there's probably something to that. <laughs> Texas, what is Payne's re- excuse for recruiting currently sucking under his watch, or is that Mac and the NCAA's fault too? It's a great point because you know all we hear from Kenny Payne is I inherited this this situation that was broken. I couldn't recruit because of the the, the black cloud and the NCAA stuff. And it's like, well, you know, we've known for I mean a, a while now that there's nothing coming out of this. Wait, we're we're done. We're in the clear. It's business as usual. And you got nobody coming into next year's recruiting class, and we ain't exactly killing it with the 2025 class right now when it comes to guys that are interested in the program. Like, what's going on there? Like, this would this would all be – it wouldn't be easy to stomach. It'd be more possible to stomach. The record that we have right now and you, you're trying to hype up the improvement and playing close games against NC State and all that stuff, if we had a couple of five-stars waiting in the wings – and if we'd done well in the transfer portal before this year and we had faith in our ability to go out there and get better players. But right now, like that's as much a, a, of a part of this as everything. Like there's The on-court results have been abysmal for two years, and there's nothing happening off the court that indicates that we're going to get markedly better anytime soon. So it's yeah, you can't be losing on, the, on and off the court, and, and Kenny Payne's doing both those things. Texas says we are actually four and one during the waxing gibbous over the last five. It's just the waxing gibbous on Thanksgiving that's the issue. Oh. Do you see what sports has done to me? Go Lions. I'll be watching from home this weekend as I came down with COVID. Worth it. That make you feel better? It does. Not not him having COVID. Obviously, you get better. But the fact that the waxing gibbous phenomenon appears to only be affecting this team on Thanksgiving. I, I I do. I'm, I'm I'm at ease. I'm back to feeling like 65 percent confident in this. Yeah, game. yeah. I'm, I'm back tomorrow. Maybe it'll be even more. Texas is like, can you guys help me make the case that having the number one transfer class is a big deal? Every time I tell Kentucky fans and others how excited I am, they're like, oh yeah, you're going to be as good as Colorado. Good for you. 
you got the guys that didn't work out the first time around. Well, that's kind of a ridiculous sentiment. I mean, we had a really good transfer class last year, and it worked out well. The issue with trying to convince Kentucky fans of anything right now is they keep beating us. So, And I understand. Like, like If I'm them, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, cool, you guys play in a crap conference. We beat you every year because we play in a real conference. And they get they get to, to tout that talking point until we actually win the game. So like, they're not going to buy that we're good at anything until we finally beat them, which needs to happen next November. So, I mean, don't waste your breath trying to convince It's a rivalry. If they can't acknowledge that having the number one recruiting class, a uh, transfer recruiting class in the country is a good thing, then you know, that's you're, you're, you're fighting a, a battle that you can never win. Win's coming. Don't worry. Texas says, you know, whenever I hear Kenny defending his performance, I just kind of smile because I think defending his tenure is laughable. <laughs> Shout out to Alan Electric. Texas, the hill that I'm going to die on is that if Kenny didn't play here, he wouldn't have even sniffed the top 100 candidates list when Mac left. I don't think you have to die on the hill. I think everyone agrees with you. Kenny Payne was a candidate for one job besides Louisville in his entire life, and it was DePaul, who, by the way, hired a coach. DePaul has lost five of its last six Big East games by 25 points or more. Jeez. I mean, it, the fact that we went up there, that loss, I don't care it was on the road. The loss to DePaul, even though they're a Big East team, it's worse than the Arkansas State home loss and the Chattanooga home losses, which both came by double digits. That DePaul team is, of all the bad DePaul teams we've seen, and my God, there have been some bad. This is the worst. They are awful, and they waxed us. Like that's that that might be the worst loss of the Kenny Payne era. And I'm not being hyperbolic, but that was the only other job that considered hiring Kenny Payne. If he didn't play here, no, you don't even consider him. Nope. I mean, if 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 John Shire didn't play at Duke, like they don't consider him, but he would have been considered at other programs. Like Louisville, no. Like the, the the affiliation with the program is is quite literally the only reason why you hire Kenny Payne. Texas, I'm sure the players can feel that Kenny Payne's heart isn't in it. If they thought it was, then they may play harder. I think they're playing hard. I really do. For you know, there are every now and then there's something that happens where you're like, that's that it's a bad sequence. They you know, this guy just kind of dogged it a little bit there. But for the most part, like they've been playing hard. They just don't. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing a lot of times. And, and they don't know what they, they definitely don't know what they're doing on defense. There's no communication on screens. We go underneath on shooters. We I mean, we have no idea how to defense a guy who, who who screens and ducks. We give up layups and dunks multiple times every single game. They just don't they, they don't know how to play defense. And that's on the coaches. Texture says, if he gets a third year, we riot. I'm not gonna riot. Figuratively, we'll riot. Texture says, since 1980, the programs between Louisville and Kentucky were pretty damn even up until KP got here. <laughs> I mean, they, they did have, since 1980, what is it? Three national titles apiece? So there's that. Wow, well, Louisville's got two. Louisville's got three. <laughs> Don't do that. Louisville's got three. <laughs> I mean, I think Kentucky probably was more consistently, like, I'm sure the stats bear it out. Like, they probably more consistently in the top 10 you know, we had some some years in the 90s that got a little bit rough um you know, they had a couple years in the 2000s that got a little bit rough and then calipari came and since then they've you know they've had just one real well i guess two real down years nit year and then the, the year the covid season where they only won nine games texas scoots rebecca black then a 10 now six <laughs> come on texas says uh back then not now scoot says referring to when he thinks rebecca black was attractive Texas, are we sure that this isn't the real Kenny and the reason? Uh, I can't read that. 
Texture says, uh, why was Jeff and Brady Brom at the UNC game? The look on both Brom's faces during the game said everything. The Brahms must have been down at Ole Miss in Alabama. I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call this person out. TJ Beisner, friend of the program, right? We love TJ. He's uh, close to the KRC boys. He hit me up last night because now he, he took the job at North Carolina handling their NIL. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've been trying to get Jeff to coach the football team this, this whole night. I was like, you stay away, you mother. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, not even a funny joke. Stay away from the Brahms. Leave, keep them out of this. You're already breaking hearts all over the Commonwealth. Stay away from our coaches. Texas stat of the day, in 49 career games, Kenny Payne has the same amount of career wins as he does career 20-point losses. Jesus Christ. That's, Whoa. That's terrible. Terrible. Texas, congrats on year one of the show, Mike. You have it really rolling with your not-a-rant from earlier. It's been a, it, it, I think right now, for where we are, we're not where we want to be, but for this being year one, I feel like we're in a pretty good place. Sure. Texas, has Coach K ever invited you to be a guest on his Sirius XM show? <laughs> no. I would love to go on. You'd do it? I would love to. Yeah. I did send a, a message to Coach K for his uh, retirement. The One of the, the national podcasts was doing this joke thing. They had a live show at the Final Four, and they got all these like college basketball people to, to send, like who like don't, didn't like Coach K, to send him a message. And I gave him this message saying, like, you know, thank you for the, the 1986 national title and, you know, for – us being the only program that had faced you more than ten times and had a winning record against you, it was it was, it was you know lowbrow stuff, but I got my jokes in. I got my, I got my shots in. Classy. I'm sure he didn't see it. Texas is 247sports.com power rankings for 2024 ACC football has U of L number two. I like that. I'm assuming FSU is number one, who we don't play again next year in the regular season. So it, it could be another year like like you know if Louisville does wind up being as good as these power rankings say. Louisville could once again go to the conference championship game and play a Florida State team that they didn't meet in the regular season. That would be great. Texas, what are your opinions on Micah Shrewsbury? Could he get it done at U of L? I I like Micah Shrewsbury a lot. Yeah, same. I think you have to wait and see. Like he's he's already improving Notre Dame after they had a just awful start, and you knew that team was going to get better as the season going on. He's he's got a atrocious roster right now. Like they they do not have players, but if you can win at the level that he won at Penn State. You can win most places. I I think I think he will win at Notre Dame. If we're talking about him being ready for the Louisville job, I would like to see it happen at Notre Dame before you you, you jump on him. But I, I, Shrewsbury is going to be a guy. They're going to be competitive in the conference pretty quickly. They'll be back in the NCAA tournament pretty quickly. And I do think that you know, ten years from now he'll still be coaching and he'll probably have a a bigger gig. I, I think he's the real deal. Texter says I mean this in the best and funniest way. But does Brady Brom give anyone else Jonah Hill's character from Superbad type energy? No. I do love that character. Texas says, explain to me like I'm five how the tight end from Miami just got granted a ninth year of eligibility. Jeez. Hughley, how do you do, Phil? Did you see that story? I did, yeah. That's nuts. Uh, it was Cam McCormick. Nine years of college football. I don't know how to answer the question because I always thought back in the day it was you, know, you had five years to play four, and if you got hurt, you could like the most was you could get a six year of eligibility, and that was very rare. Like if you use your red shirt as a freshman, and then you played three seasons, and then your last year you tore your ACL like in the first quarter of the first game, you could maybe get a six year in medical red shirt. I, I didn't realize you could get like five medical red shirts because that he's gotten hurt like 2021, 2022, and 2023, and so he's getting a ninth year. I mean, he was in the same recruiting class coming into college as Jalen Hurts. What's that make him? 26, 27? 26 or 27, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine 
still wanting to be in college, playing college football at yeah, 26, assuming, 27. Assuming he started college at like 18, he, he's he's probably 27. He might turn 28 during the season. That's you're too old. Go do something else. You're too you're, old. He's just he's just too old. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play college football at that point. But I don't know how you. Like, I didn't even think that was. I thought you got one medical redshirt, and then if you got hurt again, it was kind of like sorry. You know, you you can't play sports forever. But I guess that's that's different. Texture says at the end of the year, can we do KP's top ten quotes? Yeah, I think we can do that. <laughs> the thing is, like, there have been so many things that have happened in post game press conference that have dominated radio shows that I've already forgotten about from last year. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot. I kind of forgot about. People will bring up the spirit children thing. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Texture says Dwight earned those miles. Damn right. Texas, why is Mike ranting about the ranting? <laughs> Texas, text, text of the day. Texas, Dwight Yoakam is the bleeping man. He is. Texas, could it be could it be that when Hurd said that he couldn't hire an interim coach because of higher ups, he meant higher ups in a general sense? In other words, that was his feeling on how, of how the players assistant certain influential boosters and alumnus uh, felt overall. I apologize if I'm misinterpreting what you said. I'm just worried that Hurd might be overruled again after the season, and I'm sort of grasping at straws. For the record, like. I am not reporting what like Josh Hurd said to me. That's not where this is coming from. This is coming from the other side. The peoples who are going to be hired to take over the team have said that their understanding was that like we're, we're supposed to be doing a press conference right now, and we were told that somebody above put the kibosh on it. Maybe that was just lip service. Maybe, they, maybe I, I don't know, but I'm I can tell you again. The person who was said to be the interim head coach was he said in no uncertain terms this was going to happen Friday after the UK game. Texas says, Mike's reaction after seeing a child's backpack getting run over by a truck, that's going to be a rough morning. <laughs> Moments like this is when I re- why I really tune in. Screw the sports. <laughs> it is going to be a rough morning. Texas, I like Cal, Colorado, San Fran, and Utah all to cover tonight. Let's go Dons. Get it done. Texas, Devontae Parker getting a sixth year was so mind-blowing. Now we're getting guys uh, that are getting their seventh, eighth, and ninth years. Did, did Devontae get a, a sixth year? I think he only got a, a – I think he only played here four years. His first year was 2011, which is Charlie's second year, and he played 12, 13, 14. He got hurt. I don't, I don't, Devontae didn't play – he only played four years here. Texas, the Prince of Pikeville, Dwight Yoakam. Pikeville. Pikeville. I love Dwight Yoakam. Texture says, um, maybe it's a 10-year plan for Kenny Payne. Hopefully not. We don't need to find out years, years three or four. Texture says, I can promise you uh, those eight to 10,000 loyal season ticket holders in the lower bowl that have been paying for those outrageous prices, holding on to the seats they spent decades trying to acquire, will start giving up their tickets after the season if a coaching change is not made. I, 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 mean, I really and truly do think that like the Texture's is right. I don't think that that's just, you know, threats, idle threats. I think there are people. I mean, I know there. I have friends who pay for season tickets who aren't going to games right now. I think there are some of them that a third year would push them over the edge, where they're like, "It's like this is a lot of money. We're not going to games. It's fine for one year if you think that we can get excited about a new coach coming in next season. But if it's a third year, like we're out, we're done." I think it's gonna be a lot of people. Texas says, uh, that's like Mike saying, do you ever think where we would be if we didn't let Rick Pitino go? Yeah. I mean, I do think about that. So, Texas, hear me out. Packers money line. Mm. Don't like it. I don't hate it. I mean, I personally, I love it because I'd rather play the Packers than the, the 49ers. Sure. 
But the 49ers, I mean, little, kind of showing some some dents in the armor. The last Brock Purdy looked awful in the, the, the Ravens game. Maybe not quite as much of a like system too big to fail as we thought going in. I still think that they win the game, but it wouldn't be the shocker of all shockers if if if, uh, if Green Bay won. Texas says it's a rant, and now you're running the risk of ranting about your rants. It's not a rant. Not a rant. And I don't need to see the definition of a rant. <laughs> the definition. <laughs> in the definition. <laughs> Texture says, uh, I can't read that. By the definition, it is a rant. Well, I, I know. It's a joke, but it's not a rant. Texture says, I told y'all, I'm telling y'all now, Packers money line. Packers fans are lighting up the show. Make sure to bring your attention, your, your focus, and your intensity to Kentucky Roll Call 7 to 9 every single morning right here on 1450 The Big X. TJ Walker will love your, your Packers infusion oh yeah all right let's uh let's talk about tonight we've got the college slate is kind of lame it's i mean south florida at memphis at seven o'clock on espn Pfft. wichita state what's happened to wichita state i mean just, they have not bounced back from the greg marshall fiasco and even then like they, they had taken a step back they should have never left the missouri valley ac is just not a good conference for them they are playing at florida atlantic tonight uh, fau is a 15 and a half point favorite the only I mean, quote-unquote, good game involving a top-25 team. Illinois, who's number 15, or number 14 in the country, still playing without Terrence Shannon. They're on the road taking on Michigan, who's been better the last uh, the, the, the last week and a half or so. That's at 8.30 on FS1. Illinois is just a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Scoots, you are the Big Ten expert on the show. Who do you like in this one? I My heart tells me to go with Illinois, but the way – Home team, unranked home teams have been playing against ranked teams this season. Right. I, I, I mean, you have to take Michigan in the two and a half, right? I kind of, I mean, Illinois is playing badly right now. Like they're they they were lucky to beat Michigan State at home last week. I watched a little bit of that game, and they got beat by Maryland at home over the That's over, over the weekend. Yeah, and, and kind of handily, they lost by nine. Michigan, on the other hand, is coming off of a big win over Ohio State. That was at home, though. Um, they had lost, uh, I think, like five straight before then. I, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I feel like I'm, I got to take Michigan. Yeah. Illinois. I mean, maybe the loss of Terrence Shannon's too much for them to get over. And still adjusting to life like that. I, I'm gonna say Michigan. Maybe it's a fool's bet, but but give me the the Wolverines to cover the two and a half tonight uh, in the NBA. We've got. God, it's a week night in the NBA too. Tonight just sucks for sports. Find a show to watch. It stinks having a Thursday with nothing to look forward to. We need, yeah, we we need football. Uh, how about the Thunder Jazz? God, good God, Shea Gilgis Alexander and the boys. Isn't he hurt though? Are on the I don't road think so. taking on uh, Utah. Oklahoma City is a three and a half point favorite. That's a nine o'clock tip. Scooty like that's not high enough. Give me OKC. I got OKC too. We we are NBA experts. Oh yeah. Ride the thunder. Confirmed. Make it happen. All right, everyone, enjoy your Thursday night. Scoots, enjoy your weekend. Matt McGavick of Little Report will be in studio tomorrow with me from 3 to 6. Have a fantastic Thursday. We'll see you guys back here at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Go Cards. Ten